What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Tuesday, October the 19th, the year 2021. Got lots to do, lots to talk about here on this uh, program here in the middle of the month of October. Um, recap week six of the National Football League. You bet uh, You bet your bottom dollar on that. Uh, recap uh, the week six that was in the NFL, including the uh, Monday night game between the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. Talk about and get into the ALCS and NLCS that is uh, about two games in on, uh, or in the American League's case, three games in as far as the league championship series and the base Baseball postseason is concerned. Um, give you my two cents on uh, as the NBA season begins on Tuesday night. We'll give you my two cents on the NBA season, uh, the 2021-2022 NBA season. We got some things to address as far, as far as that is concerned, as well as my predictions and everything else. And then, of course, uh, what else do I have on the uh, docket here for you today? No, that's it. So I looked, so I was speaking as if I had more to talk about, but I don't. NFL, uh, ALCS, NLCS postseason baseball, and the NBA, and we'll get you, and we will get you on your way here on this uh, Tuesday program. Um, first things first, we will begin with the National Football League. Um, in the week that was in week six, you get will begin with the Jacksonville Jaguars, believe it or not, because they got their first win since uh, week one of the 2020 season, defeating the Miami Dolphins by the final score of 23-20 to at the gun with... Um, via game-winning field goal, beating the Dolphins there over in London. So uh, Trevor Lawrence gets his first uh, gets his first NFL win, ends his five-game NFL losing streak. Urban Meyer gets his first NFL win, uh, first uh, win as, as as an NFL head coach. Jaguars get off the schneid. They are one, now 1-5, one still winless within uh, the good old uh, continent of North America and still winless, uh, you know, at you know they're in their games at Jacksonville and still winless uh, inside the United States since uh, September of 2020. But a win is a win, regardless if you play it. You know in Jacksonville, Miami, in America, London, Paris, Pakistan, Afghanistan, on the moon, Mars, Saturn, wherever a win is still going to count equally, equally no matter where you play the game. Uh, Lawrence threw for 319 pass yards through two touchdowns in the game. Had a very, very clutch uh, completion on a little slant pattern with less than 10 seconds to go at the end of regulation where where the receiver had to make his move, had to be open. Lawrence had to hit him at the exact same time, and he had to catch the ball, go down in one motion, essentially get touched to allow a Jacksonville enough time to call a timeout so they could send out their field goal unit and uh, and Mr. Wright, who went three for three for field goals, funny, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars start making kicks and they win a game. How ironic is that? Um, who ended up kicking the field goal, which put him out in front late in the fourth quarter, or no, not put him out in front. They kicked the game tying field goal in the latter stages of the fourth quarter, and then kicked the game winning field goal uh, as time expired. 
record uh, for for Jacksonville. Marvin Jones, the ex-Cincinnati Bengal, had a phenomenal game. Seven receptions, 100 yards receiving, caught a touchdown pass, an absolutely phenomenal job. And they give the Jaguars credit. You know, I had a feeling they were going to get off the schneid, got out of the country a little bit, different time zone a little bit, you know, you know a change of scenery. So you figured that, you know, and after you know, and you know, get, getting dominated by Tennessee, a playoff team, you figure, hey, you know, the Dolphins stink. You know, this would be the ideal time and the perfect opponent for the uh, – for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars to get back on the right track, and that turned out to be the case. Um, when it comes to the Miami Dolphins, you know, who I'm very concerned about them. I said at the beginning of the season that this was going to be a playoff team because of their defense and because that Brian Flores is just a hell of a coach. And, you know, this team went 10-6 and six last year, and, it all, and we're not even through October yet, and they already have five losses on the season. You know, they, they, uh, just to see for the sake of conversation who they play next week, they lose to, they lose to Atlanta at home next week. They're going to match their, their, season, their season loss total from last year in a span of, uh, in a span of uh, what, seven weeks. First seven weeks, about halfway through the season, a little less than halfway through the uh, through the new season, and Dol- and the Dolphins, if they if, if they don't run the table a century from here on out, will have uh, will have already matched their uh, season loss total from a season ago when they went ten and six and missed the playoffs by an eyelash. Um, but but you know, I thought they're going to be a better team. Their defense, although again twenty three points, Lawrence wasn't phenomenal in the game. You know, twenty five for forty one one. You know, wasn't anything spectacular. Jacksonville didn't run the ball. You know, didn't run the ball great on as a team. They only had eighty four uh, rushing yards as a team. But you know, Jackson or excuse me, the Dolphins have just they've regressed. They've taken a huge step back. I don't know what it is. Whether the fact is that two is just not the guy. You know, they don't have enough playmakers on offense, which also is which also is quite accurate as well. I don't know what the issue is. I don't think Brian Flores is the problem because of when all things go when they're clicking on all cylinders. I think Brian Flores is as, is as good as a coach um, as anybody in the sport, but. Um, I mean, I don't know. I may two uh, Tua was thirty three or forty seven, three twenty nine through two touchdown passes in the game. Had a bonehead ass nine interception. I don't know what the hell he was looking at when that interception he threw directly to the uh, Jaguar defender there. But uh, you know, is he the answer? I mean, I I don't know. And is he and is he the long term future of your franchise? I don't know. You you know you have essentially little to no draft capital left. Uh, you know, as far as for, uh, solid first round picks are concerned, so I mean, I I honestly have no idea. This they are the leader in the clubhouse in Mize. Colts not so much because you know I don't trust Carson Wentz with the, and with the COVID issue because he was hell bent on not getting vaccinated for some asinine reason. Um, you know, I didn't anticipate the Colts being that great this year. Um, but but the Dolphins are the most disappointing. Next to can next to Kansas City. But you know Kansas, Kansas the difference between being three and three and one and five to be fair to Kansas City. But the Dolphins are a team that I thought was going to make major major progress this season and you know find themselves at you know four and two you know find themselves at four and two th- three and three at the worst uh, five and one five and one at best. You know, coming off of a fa- a successful 
uh, a ten and ten and six season last year, albeit they missed the playoffs. They, you know, they played competitive football and and were playing meaningful football. You know, up until the end of the uh, calendar year, up until you know late December first weekend of the of the new year in the month of January, which you know for a franchise that you know was tanking for two a quote unquote the year before that that's that's that I you you'd consider and got the second overall no not the second but I believe uh, if my memory serves me correctly had the third overall pick in the 2020 draft you'd call that you would call that most indeed a successful season they've gone and they've done nothing but uh, gone backwards and their season unfortunately is finished and it looks like that uh, you know that my prediction of uh, of the Dolphins making the playoffs looks like uh, will go will go in vain and will go up in smoke and go up in flames. Um, bad matter of fact, since I looking it up here, what did I have? I had the Dolphins at eleven and at eleven and six with the seven with the seventh seed, seventh and final wild card spot in the AFC. They lose one more. They lose one more game. They already will have six losses. And you know, and, and the only way, the only way they can change it around is if you know they lose the next game or lose one game and you know win ten out of and win ten out of their next what ten out of their next eleven and somehow some way have the uh, season turnaround of the century and end up making the postseason winning eleven games. And even if that's the case, I don't think that that. Uh, will be enough because they, you know, losing to, t- you know, losing to teams like uh, the uh, the Raiders, the Colts, getting shut out by Buffalo. So, but anyway, the Dolphins are finished. That's item number one. Item number two is the Baltimore Ravens, who, I mean, just keep on keeping on. I mean, I tell you, and Lamar Jackson, my goodness gracious, although he did not blow up your stat sheet, and if you had him on fantasy, he did not give you a ton of points. He did turn over the football twice. Through what he did, you know, by going off his stat line, you wouldn't suspect that the Ravens won the game 34 to six because got sacked three times, through two interceptions, one touchdown, and only threw for 167 yards, and only ran for uh, 50 for 51 uh, yards on eight carries in the game. But, um, but you know, they that game and that game was won by the Ravens defense, which had which. Which played their asses off uh, the entire afternoon. They kept they kept that uh, Los Angeles Charger uh, offense in check. That went crazy and went up and down the field and scored nothing but touchdowns against uh, Cleveland the week before. They gave Justin Herbert fits all afternoon. They sacked him twice, held him to under 200 yards uh, passing, threw an interception, only threw one touchdown. Uh, Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler, and Kelly. Their rushing attack was not a factor. They scored a t- a whopping total of 26 rushing yards as a team. When Justin Herbert's your leading rusher with two carries and 12 yards, with uh, with uh, with only with one of his two carries being for 10 yards, you know you did something right as far as stopping your opponents. Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mo- uh, Williams, Jared Cook were held in check, receiving wide too. The Ravens defense just put on an absolute absolute clinic on Sunday. The best defensive performance of the season. We've been wondering, even though the Ravens have gotten off to this impressive and fantastic start to begin the season, you've been wondering, you've been asking yourself, hey, where's where's this Ravens defense been? They played well against Denver. Okay, you know, it is Denver, to be fair. No, you knocked Teddy Bridgewater out. Drew Locke isn't going to give you anything. But they gave up 33 points to the Raiders in week one. 
They did a decent job against uh, Detroit in Week Three, all things being considered. But it's Detroit, you know, it's set seventeen points. That that was more on the offense's ineptitude why that game was so close rather than the defense. And he gave up twenty five points to the Colts the Monday night before, where your defense was nowhere to be found uh, through the first three quarters of that football game. But they had a but they did a complete one eighty as far with their uh, performance. They stopped the run. They did not let Herbert go crazy throwing the ball again held him up to under only held him to under 200 uh, yards passing and the Ravens defense put on their best performance of the season winning the game uh 34 to 6 and then if, and they are and they are a, they and with the Buffalo loss which I'll get to after the break with the Buffalo loss they now hold if it's season ended today they now hold the best record in the AFC if you go ahead and you look at this if you go ahead and you look at the standings um, the Ravens, the Ravens are the bet. The Ravens hold the best record in the AFC with a five and one with a five and one record. And there's a one, two, three, four, five way tie for second best record in the AFC with the Chargers, Titans, Bills, Bengals, and Raiders all at four and two, and the uh, Steelers, Broncos, Chiefs, and Brownies all at three. And three with the Ravens, who have not lost the game since that Monday night overtime defeat back in week one. They are clicking on all cylinders, and it's a good sign if you're a Ravens fan that your defense, you know, put up, you know, had such an impressive dominating performance against a high flying, against that high flying offense of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. It was very impressive. It's going to go a long way. Item number three is the uh, Cincinnati Bengals improving the four and two on the season. Um, you know, and an absolute beatdown of the Detroit Lions on Sunday. Their offense was inept. Was inept. That's putting it lightly. Was I mean? They. I mean, I saw shades of the. Uh, of the uh, of the Jacksonville game, you know, in the first half a little bit, and that, they, I mean, they would just they couldn't couldn't do anything. They scored a touchdown in their earlier drives of the first quarter, and then they, again they hit that wall where they were just stagnant. And they couldn't score. They couldn't move the ball downfield. Bengals defense would make stops, force three and outs, or force turnovers, and the Bengals couldn't do anything and couldn't do anything with it in return. And all they do is put the Bengals defense back on the field for the Bengals just to punch the Lions in the mouth again. And then it all changed until to, until the Bengals' uh, last offensive possession of the first half, where Joe Burrow threw an absolute dot to uh, Jamar Chase down the right sideline and put the Bengals in perfect uh, field position to put to for Evan McPherson to kick uh, the uh, field goal towards the end of the second quarter, and the Bengals went in overtime with the with all the momentum, with the fantastic defensive performance, which I'll get to in a minute, and of course that solid offensive drive that put Evan. McPherson in position to kick the field goal to put the Bengals up 10-0 at the half. And that is essentially what got the ball rolling as the Bengals ended ended up outscoring the Lions 24-11 in the second half with uh, 10 unanswered points to begin the uh, the festivities for them in the third quarter, putting up 14 points in the fourth quarter as well. Joe Burrow, I mean, what a a job, what a guy, what a dude. 19-29 throwing for 271 passing yards through three touchdowns, one interception, only got sacked twice in a game. Joe Mixon had a solid, didn't blow you out the water, but a solid day running football when you thought that, and Zach Taylor told told us before the game started that he would be a full go. That 
you, you know, they take the training wheels off of him because he's been banged up with the ankle injuries and the, and the you know and the and the, and the issues with the legs that he suffered in the Jacksonville game. But 18 carries, 94 yards, very effective running the football on Sunday. Jamar Chase again. I mean, if he isn't your front runner for offensive rookie of the year, you're not paying attention. You're not watching football. Four receptions, 97 yards on the day. Joe Mixon, Chris Evans, C.J. Uzama, Auden Tate all caught touchdown passes in the game. An absolutely phenomenal job. Brandon Allen came off the bench through one pass, good for seven yards and a touchdown. Uh, to essentially was the final coup de gras to the Lions. The final coup de gras to the Lions on the day. Absolutely phenomenal job by uh, the, by the defense forcing that turnover early in the first quarter, where they uh, where they essentially took the ball from the Lions receiver the split second before his butt and his form was going to hit the ground, and it went up into the air and right into the arms of the and right into the arms of uh, Logan Wilson who's had an absolutely phenomenal season thus far and what a beat, what a what a uh, what a uh, pick that was back in the back in the springtime in the draft drafting him out of Wyoming he's had an absolutely phenomenal rookie year and a phenomenal start to his rookie season in the National Football League Evan McPherson was perfect 4 for 4 in extra points 2 for 2 for field goals um, and, and the, again, the Bengals defense uh, painted an absolute masterpiece, putting together their best defensive performance of the season. Only giving up 11 points, pitched a shutout until the fourth, pitched a shutout uh, well into the fourth quarter. Uh, the you know, Detroit, the Detroit offense had absolutely no answers for the Beng- for the Bengals defensive front. You know, they uh, they only got to Jared Goff once. But they held him to under. Uh, they, but they held him to only 202 uh, passing yards. They he did not uh, held kept Jared Goff away from the end zone. Uh, had that uh, had that uh, more not even a giveaway. That was a takeaway from Cincinnati with the interception. They held Detroit to only 36 yards of total rushing uh, in the game. I believe their I believe their uh, the Lions total yards this is off the top of my head I believe the Lions total yards of offense at the end of the first half was uh, was along the lines of uh, of about 56 total yards in the first half alone and absolutely I understand it's the Lions and they stink and they're tanking they're in the rebuilding mode but still an impressive performance by them uh, especially when you know when the Lions have played some games where. Uh, where you know they, you know, I mean, their offense has been great. They they scored you know thirty three points, the most that they've scored thus far the season. Week one, they scored seventeen against Green Bay. Week two, seventeen. Week three, fourteen. So they don't have a tremendous offense. All things being considered, I get that, but still, defense deserves a ton of credit. Um, and just an absolutely phenomenal job. You know, heading into this game, the Bengals had given you know gave up twenty five points to Green Bay last week. 21 points, had a phenomenal second half, but the first half they were absolutely atrocious against Jacksonville. Kept Pittsburgh in che- kept Pittsburgh in check. That was that t- heading into the Denver game. That was their best defensive performance of the season. We all know Pittsburgh lacks an offense. They uh, you know take away a pick six from Chicago, so they only allowed about 13, 14 offensive points for Chicago. Had a solid performance against Chicago, all things being considered. If you take away that that horrendous opening drive where Andy Dalton marched down the field on him to begin the game, and they gave up 24 points um, to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, who have had it, who who personally, statistically, has had a phenomenal start to their season uh, here in 2021. The Bengals have done an absolutely phenomenal job. Four and two. 
two and one on the road. I understand it's the lowly Detroit Lions, but hey, again, it's mid-October. This team has a this team has a plus five hundred record, up above five hundred by two games, six sixty-seven winning percentage. Um, you know they they're two they're two and zero within they're two and zero within their conference. They are now. It's crazy how you know how we're only a month into the new season. You know, yeah, about a month and a week. You know, season started uh, September the twelfth. This is October nineteenth. So we're you know officially, if quote unquote, are a month into the new into the new NFL season, and the Bengals have already wrapped up uh, wrapped up play against their uh, NFC uh, North opponents. Uh, here in 2021, the Vikings week one, Bears week two. They played the Packers prior to this past Sunday, then the Lions on Sunday. A month, in, a month into the season, six weeks. Uh, if you, you know, if you count and scoring at home, and the Bengals have already wrapped up play against the NFC North, uh, splitting, going two and two, two wins against the Vikings and the Lions, one one win at home, one on the road, and and and, uh, and uh, losing to two games to Green Bay and Chicago, losing the Packers at home, and losing to Chicago on the road, as they wrap up their uh, out of conference play for the most part against the NFC North, uh, two and two, with the seventeenth extra game. Which, which if you heard this program many a time, ad infinitum, which I can't stand. Uh, the seventeenth game is an out of conference game, and the NFC, or excuse me, the AFC North plays the NFC uh, West in the twenty twenty one seventeenth extra game, which means and it's matched up by first place team takes on first place team, which is why Seattle played Pittsburgh. Baltimore is going to play the Rams in December. Um, the Browns played the Cardinals this past weekend. Bengals will play the 40 Bengals will uh, they're only their only and single remaining out of conference opponent uh, for the rest of the 2021 season is the San Francisco 49ers they will play them uh, stand by they will play the 49ers on December the 12th that is a home that is a home one o'clock game on CBS they get one. They get one out of conference opponent. Uh, you know, for the rest of the season, that is the four, that is the Forty ers on December the twelfth. And outside of the Forty er game, the rest of their opponents are against AFC, are against AFC opponents. They get the you get two. They in three in a three week period, they get two divisional opponents uh, against the Ravens this upcoming Sunday. The jet, the Jets on the road. Then they return home to Baltimore on the seventh of November uh, to play the Cleveland Browns. By the way, that's going to be the Bengals' first uh, first home CBS game since their since the final preseason game on August 29th, I believe, when they played the Miami Dolphins. I know who cares, but that's just me. You know, I'm I'm into that sort of stuff. Uh, and then they got there. Then they have the Raiders play the Chargers. San Francisco, that they don't play another NFC opponent until San Francisco in December. Then they play Denver, and then Baltimore again at home the day after Christmas uh, on a Sunday, and then Kansas City, and then they finish the season on the road against Cle- uh, against the Cleveland Browns, who we'll see if they'll be be able to stay upright by that uh, by that uh, time come week uh, what eighteen in early January on January the ninth. 
But that is item number three with my Cincinnati Bengals. Item number four, and we'll close out this segment here with this, with the Kansas City Chiefs and their sloppy, sloppy win. You know, if if Washington had any semblance of an offense and, you know, Titanic run wasn't didn't play so conservative and didn't, you know, didn't you know, try to not try to go for the gusto when the opportunities presented themselves. The Washington football team, in my honest opinion, either would have made this game a lot closer than 31-13, or they would have won. The, or they would have won this game outright because this because they played way, 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 way too conservative and way too safe and way too cautious against a team that, like I said many a time, you got to put the stake through them in order for you to beat them. You know, when they're scoring touchdowns and when they're having issues scoring touchdowns, you got to put the ball in the end zone. You got to put the ball in the end zone as you know in. You know, in return, and you, you got to keep pace with them. For every touchdown they score, you score. And it was too many. They only, the Washington only scored one touchdown in the game. The Kansas City, Kansas City scored uh, what? The Kansas City scored four of them. Washington only scored one. That was the, that was the difference in the game. Kansas City put the ball in the end zone four times. Washington only put the ball in the end zone once, and they did not score a point throughout the entire second half. I think, of my honest opinion, and I would have went for it, and I would have tried to, you know, no, no risk it, no biscuit, whatever that phrase. I always get it wrong. I think it's no risk it, no biscuit that the Buccaneers and Arians and Brady say all the time that when they got the interception, I don't know what in God's name Patrick Mahomes was looking at or thinking what was going through his head when he decided to throw that bonehead asinine, egregious interception at the end of the half where he was going down, getting sacked, and he said they tried to play Mr. Superman like he you know, like he did many times in the Super Bowl and threw the ball essentially straight up into the air as if it was like a five was like a five yard punt and the Washington see if I can get the guy's name and see if I can get uh which McCollum's name. Uh I think it might have been McCain I, yeah, I think it was McCain that uh, had that had the interception at the end of the half. If not, it was Kyle. If not, if it was him, if I'm getting his name wrong, it was also Kyle uh, Kyle Fuller. That uh, either or, um, but for him to, th- I mean, it's just a stupid mistake. And what does Washington do? And they had, and I believe they had a couple of timeouts. Uh, I believe they also had a couple of timeouts in the at, towards the clo- to close out the first half. I mean, why in the world, you know, the get you get a gift of all time, a gift. The Mahomes had zero business throwing the ball up up into the air. You get a gift of all gifts. You get to have an opportunity to close the gap on Kansas City, go go into the half with some momentum, and Washington runs the ball. You know, they got a first down on one of the runs, but who cares? They 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 run the ball a couple of times and they run and they run out the clock and they go into the half with no points. I mean, Ron. I mean, what you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs here, not the Philadelphia Eagles or the New York Football Giants. You know, take you're playing Kansas City. Kansas City, they got Mahomes on his sideline. Take some risks. You know, I, unless you guys are waving a white flag on your season and basically want to hand the NFC East to the Dallas Cowboys, come on. get Let's get off our hind parts. Let's get our head in the game. Get our head out of the sand. Wax out of your ears. Open, you know, rub your eyes, open up your eyes and say, hey, we're playing the Kansas City Chiefs here. If we expect to beat them and pull off the upset, we have got to put the we got to put the stake through them. We got to put the stake through them, and every opportunity, every opportunity they give us, we got to take advantage of. Ball went off of Tyreek Silver at the beginning of the second quarter, so you know, so, and the Kansas, and again, it's not like the Kansas City has you know been playing 
buttoned up solid championship Super Bowl contending Super Bowl caliber football. They have been slo- they have been sloppy and inconsistent as all get out for the last you know essentially since the season started. Turnovers all over the place. Tyree Kill you know had a ball go through his hands that got intercepted. That was the one by indeed made by uh, Kyle Fuller. They had that. They had that one. They also had uh, Sneed. They had uh, it's not Sneed. They had McCole Hardman fumble the football. Mahomes fumbled in this game. So, I mean, Kinsey is not playing the best football that we've seen them play the last couple of years in, during, this, uh, during this little run here with Mahomes at quarterback. And, and capitalize on this, guys. I mean, what are you doing? You, you, get, you give the Chiefs an inch, they take nine miles. I mean, wake up and pay attention. I mean, it's on third and on third and one, about 30 seconds left. Washington has all three of their timeouts. They pick the ball off and return it to about their own 20-yard line. You got three timeouts up by three, 23 seconds left. That's more than enough time for you guys to take a couple of. I mean, you got Taylor Heineke, who's got who's got one of the best arms in football for crying out loud. Take a shot downfield and see if you can go up 16 to 10 at minimum, or 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 if you want to go for the gusto, go into go into and show us what. You're really made of go into the half and put a little pressure on Kansas City up 10 up two scores 20 and have Kansas City try to overcome a 20 to 10 halftime deficit I mean that made absolutely no sense whatsoever but that's why Washington is two and is two and four and on the outside looking in and then you know and gonna see and he's gonna wind up in Dallas's rearview mirror watching the Cowboys run away with the NFC East and that's why the Kansas City Chiefs, albeit at three and three, you know you can't you can't consider them dead yet because good teams, you know, because good teams have awareness and have the, and are fully aware of the moment and the situation and do things that they have to do, albeit minus their own mistakes to win football games. And that's why Washington's two and four, not in first place, one and three at home, and uh, and the Dallas Cowboys are what five and one first place in the NFC East because of stupid stuff like that. But uh, but Chiefs, I mean, I'm very concerned. They're de- I mean, they're de- Washington's defense. Washington's offense heading into the season is not their is not their strong. Is at least heading into the season wasn't their strongest uh, aspect. Wasn't their strongest uh, part of their game anyway. It was the, it was their defense, and their defense has let them down. Is one of the reasons why they're two and four. Not necessarily their offense. So I'm not going to give Kansas. I'm not going to throw bouquets at Kansas City. For keeping Washington only scoring uh, 13 points, I mean, woohoo, hallelujah! He gave up 30 points to Philly, 38 points to Buffalo, 30 to 32, uh, 30 points to the Chargers, 36 points to Baltimore, and 29 points to Cleveland. I mean, I mean, let let's see how you do against let's see how you do against Tennessee on Sunday. Well, and Derrick Henry, see if you can stop him in the absolute man. Magnificent performance. See if you can slow him down after the magnificent performance he had against the uh, Buffalo on Monday night. Let me see, let me see you stop them. Let me see you. You know when Aaron Rodgers walks into your building. Let me see you stop Aaron Rodgers. Let me see you stop Dak on November the twenty first. Let me see you. You know let me let me see you. Let me see if you can uh, beat the Chargers in their building on December sixteenth. You know you play you play Pittsburgh's defense offense who stinks. Let me see you slow down Joe Burrow and my Bengals come the 2nd of January of the new year. Let me see that. 
before you know my mind is going to be convinced about the uh, and not that I've heard anybody say that but uh, you, but you get but you get nothing by shutting down the Washington offense I'm sorry they're not a big time offensive team to begin with and uh, and that's not exactly one of the NFL's best offenses when it comes to threats and and da- and uh, and dangerability I understand it's not a word but you get but you get where I'm coming from especially considering that they've given up nothing but a bushel of points to the, to you know to to the league's best uh, offenses in the sport, and Philadelphia's offense isn't all that crazy either. And they go and they gave up thirty points to the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, which, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And, but then to close out this monologue, you know, and, I, and I'm and I'm glad to see that you know the football that the football world, whether it be the fans, some of the people in media, the people on social media, have finally uh, gotten off the Kool Aid, stopped drinking the Kool Aid have opened up their eyes, got their head out of the sand, and have woken up and have seen the light, and have now joined me on this side of the aisle on this. When I've said about Ad Infidina for the last year or so, about how toxic, how annoying, how narcissistic attention-slash-clout-seeking Patrick Mahomes' family is. I got his mother moaning and groaning on social media, uh, and, and when the ironic part is that is, and the ironic part of of it is that I kind of agree with her because I've been saying for years that that there needs to be like a stat put in place where if a pe- where if a clear easily should have been caught pass by a wide receiver you know def- ricochets off the receiver's hands or goes through his hands and ends up you know in the in a in the arms of a defender for an interception that shouldn't count against the quarterback they should invent a stat or create a stat where where you have interceptions count against uh, wide receivers, you know, put it in, in like a little sub column of uh, you know of, uh, drop passes. So ironically, I kind of agree with what she said because I because I've been saying for years how unfairly that is for quarterbacks how they get charged with the interception because their wide receivers couldn't catch the ball. Ball was right in Tyree Kill's mitts, right there, perfectly thrown, perfectly placed by ball by Mahomes, and it goes right into the right through his hands and into the arms of uh, of Fuller for the interception. So I kind of agree. With her. But then she's sitting up here saying, you know, I guess on that play at the end of the half, well, that should have been called a fumble. Randy, can you shut up, please? Just shut up. I mean, it's get 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 off Twitter, get off of social media, quit attracting attention to yourself. No, ain't nobody cares what you think anyway. B, you're wrong. C, you're clueless. And D, you you, you just you just sound like a complete fool and a moron. Just shut up. Log off of social media. Nobody cares what you have to say. And just watch the stupid football games. My goodness gracious. And I sit up here and got his brother, you know, who has the self aware who has the self awareness of a of a uh, of a three month old infant sitting in the middle of church on a on a on on a Easter Sunday. Has the self awareness of an infant sitting at sitting during uh during church on Easter Sunday, sitting up here feeling the need to to do a freaking TikTok dance on Sean Taylor's number, you know, on the sideline during pregame pregame warmups prior to the game. And I got all the people on social media. Travis Kelsey liked the comment in in response to me, and and I and I heard and I heard stuff from Tory Smith. Well, you know, they were where else were they supposed to stand? You know, every there was a there was over a dozen people standing on the twenty one in that little particular area of the sideline. You know, blame Washington for it being rushed, and blame Washington. 
for putting, you know, for uh, putting the uh, putting the Kansas City putting the Kansas City people or putting the VIPs on that particular area of the sideline, which is which is fair and which is not entirely false and not entirely inaccurate. But but he, but here's my rebuttal to that. Yes, I did see pictures of people, you know, the VIPs with the, you know, people that had the field passes. I did see them standing on or around the area of the Sean Taylor 21 prior to the game. But here's my rebuttal in response. I didn't see, you know, a dozen to 20 plus people, however many people that were standing on the sideline prior to the game. I did not see them pull out their phone and, and, and do a TikTok dance on the late Sean Taylor's number. I saw one person do that. There were there were tons of people that stood that stood on that sideline and that and that vicinity of the area and 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 during pre during the pregame warmups with with the with the field passes. Plenty of people. I I saw all the pictures from all different camera angles. I saw it. I saw it. One not one ten people you know doing the doing the electric slide on the twenty one. I saw one person dance on it and one person doing a TikTok on it. And it, and it wasn't Kayla Nicole and it wasn't Brittany Matthews. It was Jackson Mahomes. I don't sit up here and say, well, you don't understand. Well, get over it. Well, who cares? Well, you're making too, too big, big of a deal than it, than it needs to be. He's 21 years of age. Cut him a break. Forget all, forget all of that. And you know I'm about two year, two maybe three years younger than he is, and even I. And I'm not trying to make myself you know out to be the most mature 19 year old on the planet because I'm far from it. But even I, you know, who was raised properly and was and was raised with the with the mindset and the principle of there's a time and a place for everything, and and raised with the uh, and raised with having some emblance and some. And knowing when to uh, show some decorum and show some uh, respect and have a little bit of self-awareness of what's going on around me, I would know better than to, uh, you know, than to, you know, sit up here and do a tasteless, idiotic, moronic, infantile, juvenile, asinine TikTok dance on a on a number of a dece- of a deceased football player. Who was ki- who who died and who was killed entirely too soon in a tragic heartbreaking gut-wrenching way right before his career even before his NFL career really hit its peak he got he got killed essentially defend defending his family and defending his home Robert came in tried tried to came in someone came in tried to rob him shot him in the leg he bled out passed away that uh, I mean come come on have I'm not telling again. I understand 21 years of age and your brain. I think your brain's fully developed at that age. If it is, it isn't. Who knows? And who, quite frankly, who cares? But it's about have. It's about principle. It's about having a certain decorum and having enough self awareness around you, saying, "Hey, not every single freaking you know thing thing I touch, place I'm at, uh, venue I'm in, of you know." So on and so forth. Now that my, the the world, I understand it is kind of quote unquote using hyperbole here, but the but at not every single place you go to, Jackson Mahomes isn't a goddamn TikTok stage. Not, not not every single place you go, not every event, 
you attend is meant for you to, you know, whip your phone out and do your little stupid 10-second TikTok dance dances which stink for your little, you know, six, six, seven uh, figure followers on your little TikTok page. A, 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 first off, who cares? And B, it's not the time and the place for that. Okay, you, you, you're 21 years old. You're not 12. You're 21. Grown, grown, grown adult, you know, can drink, you know, can drink. I'm pretty sure, can, you know, can drive and has all the responsibilities as your average, you know, American adult in 2021 and isn't locked up somewhere. Be, be better, grow up, and have a little bit of uh, respect and have a little bit of self-awareness and, and, and a little bit of decorum. Will you please? I mean, it's up here, TikTok dancing on you know, have have an idea of what the heck is going on, please. You knew you knew the Chiefs were in were in Washington that Sunday. You knew on Thursday. I don't know how you couldn't have. You knew on Thursday that Washington with you. It was a piss poor PR stunt. We went through this a thousand times on Friday. Piss poor PR stunt. You know, trying to uh, magically retire out of the clear blue sky out of left field, retiring Sean Taylor's number to distract the fact of your piss poor. Uh, toxic work environment that you know that came that came to light again due to the uh, John Gruden leaked emails from ten years ago. You knew you knew and he had an idea of what was going on. It didn't just draw the little twenty one on the sideline just for the hell of it. You know at at both at both twenty one yard lines at FedEx Field. You had an idea. Grow up and have a little bit of uh, of respect. Will you please grow up? Grow up. Okay, and for every single one of you out there sitting there making excuses for the making excuses for this tyrant, get a grip and get a clue. Okay, quit making excuses for him. The fact that the fact that well, blame Washington because they drew it on the field and there was a bunch of people standing there that shouldn't have been blame Washington. That's not the point. The point is that all those dozens of people that I saw standing on the sidelines on Sunday afternoon weren't dancing on it. Only one person was. One person. They all didn't. They all didn't get together on this. Every single person that was on the sidelines, near and on that twenty-one logo, on the sidelines of FedEx Field on Sunday, they all didn't get together and decided to do the cha-cha slide, the Cupid shuffle, or the electric slide on it. One person decided to whip out his phone and do a stupid TikTok on it and dance. One, not not uh, not the dozen twenty people that were standing around that area. One person. Stop making excuses. He's 21 years old. His brother's the biggest star in the National Football League. He damn near goes to every game. He got internet, cell phones, smartphones, all this, all this technology nonsense. He's he's on it constantly. You know, trying to uh, trying to you know uh, build his brand, so to speak, with his social media and essentially freeload off of his brother's success and ride his coattails to easy uh, fame and notoriety. He knew, he 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 knows what the hell's going on, and if he didn't, he should. Can't plead ignorance. Your brother plays in the national foot. Your brother plays in the National Football League. You know, you know, your 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 future sister-in-law is best is best buds with you know with the girlfriend of of uh, Travis Kelsey. You know, you, you if it wasn't for your brother, no one would no one would know, nor no one would care who you are. Get get a grip and get a clue. Will you please grow up, grow up? You're 21 years old. Grow the hell up, please.
And again, and, and for all, all of you out there on social media, you know, to be defending this jerk, defending this idiot, doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. It's the same guy that's sitting up here and acting like a complete jackass in Baltimore in week two, pouring water, pouring water on a Ravens fan because he was salty as hell that the Chiefs collapsed in the fourth quarter, blowing a double-digit lead. Brother, brother threw an interception. Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumbling the football left and right. Andy Reid got cute and got conservative on on their final offensive uh, possession late in the fourth quarter. The defense can't stop a freaking thing. I mean, come on. You don't deserve the benefit of that. Kids, this kid's 21 years old, and my 16-year-old sister, who's who you know who turned 16 a week ago, has more maturity than this idiot. Is more mature than this idiot. Stop. Stop. Just getting started. Second half of the week six recap coming up right after this. Welcome back to the I'm Metallica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Uh, as we keep it up and move it along, as far as our Week 6 recap is concerned, the Arizona Cardinals just keep on rolling. Uh, improved to 6-0 on the season. They are still the only undefeated. They still remain the only undefeated team in all of football here in the 2021 season. Absolute beatdown of the Cleveland Browns by the final score of 37-14. Their defense played absolutely out of their minds. To force, they sacked Baker Mayfield five times in this game, forcing an interception. Kareem Hunt, who got banged up in this game and will not be available for the next foreseeable weeks with a calf injury, held the Browns only 73 total yards of ru- of uh, rushing to shut down the best uh, rushing uh, attack in all of football here in 2021. They did allow Donovan Peoples-Jones to, granted, you know, the, his longest catch in a big chunk of his 101 receiving yards on the four receptions was that Hail Mary at the, en- at the end of the uh, first half, which was the only, uh, you know, lapse and the only, uh, you know, play that made you go, oh my goodness, Colonel's defense, how could you? Their only defensive lapse in the game was that Baker Mayfield and Donovan Peoples-Jones' uh, Hail Mary completion to close out the first half, and you thought that that'd be, you know, what would, you know, kickstart the Cleveland Browns' comeback as they went into the half down 23-14, but all of their 14 points were scored in the second quarter, and they didn't score in the second half, getting outscored 14 to nothing. Uh, in the second half by Arizona. Kyler Murray, 20 of 30, threw for 229 passing yards, four TD passes in the game. Um, 
And of course, James Conner on the ground, 16 carries, 71 yards. Their leading rusher, they ran for 144 yards as a team. AJ Green had a had a, a very good performance, five receptions, 79 yards, caught a touchdown pass. DeAndre Hopkins didn't you know blow you away, but he did score two touchdowns in the game for what it's worth. Christian Kirk also caught a touchdown pass as well. As you know, like the Ravens beating, uh, you know, like the Ravens beating in their beat down against the Chargers. This game was won by uh, by the Cardinal defense and the fact that Kyle Murray, you know, when the opportunity presented itself, he threw for four, you know, he threw four touchdowns in the game and DeAndre Hopkins caught two of them as the Cardinals keep on rolling, improving to 6-0 on the season. They had their coaches game without the head coach Cliff Kingsbury, the Cleveland Browns. I mean, sitting at 3-3, three and three, Grant only 2-1 and one at home, but you know they're they're three and three. They got a short week, and this is a team that does not benefit from having a short week playing the Thursday night game, because you know Baker Mayfield reaggravated his torn labrum. They won't have Kareem Hunt for a good amount of time, you know, and you know they have a uh, their schedule is manageable, but they have games against some uh, tough teams. Uh, coming up, you know, coming up soon. They, Cincinnati, November the seventh. They could lose the Pittsburgh game uh, if they're not careful. Come Halloween, uh, after the Denver game, the New England. They play New England and Detroit. You know, the the two weeks in the middle of uh, in the middle of November, which will be a help, which will be an easy help. But you know, once uh, you know, come late November, it's nose to the grindstone time, and that's when the schedule really gets hard and really gets interesting. They get both. They got Baltimore on the road on a Sunday night. Then Baltimore, and then Baltimore again after their. I believe it's after their bye week on December. Yeah, after their bye week on December the twelfth, they get Baltimore back to back, back to back games with a bye week in between. Then they host Baltimore on December the twelfth. If Vegas is still holding strong, they currently at four and two. They get Vegas on December the nineteenth, and then they got to fly to Green Bay to Green Bay to to excuse me to play Green. Bay on Christmas. Uh, that's a 4:30 game on Fox, and then they get and then they get Pittsburgh uh, the week after that, the last Monday night game of the year on uh, on January the third, and they close out the regular season against the Cincinnati Bengals. So Cleveland has got to get healthy and has got to straighten up and fly right. The defense has to get themselves together. Uh, you know, essentially they got until they got they got until the tw- they have until. Realistically, and you know the 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 uh, Pittsburgh and Cleveland games are games that they have to win. They shouldn't have much issues beating uh, beating New England, but they could lose that game if they're not careful. They should take they should be able to take care of Detroit, who stinks, and they should be able to take care of Denver. Albeit it's a short week. Uh, and they're banged up, but Denver is not that good of a football team. I think we realized that over the last couple of weeks. But I tell you, if they are not hovering around 500 or better than 500, they gotta, you know, they gotta, they gotta buckle down. And you know, Cleveland Browns, you're no longer a league punchline. You got expectations. You know, you, you know, you had a play, you had a winning season last year. You won a playoff game last year. You were a couple of points away from making it to the AFC Championship game. It's time for the big boys now. If you guys do not have yourselves together come uh, come November twenty eighth, you know it's, it's you know it's back to the same old Browns as far as disappointing and becoming a factory of sadness. If you guys are not ready to roll and not ready to ball come uh, late come late November, and Bill Parcells always says that the football season really begins 
at or around you know the Thanksgiving holiday. Well, that's the uh, I believe that's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. The twenty eighth is when they play that Sunday night game against the Ravens. If they don't have themselves together by then, you know Cleveland's going to be on the outside looking in as far as the AFC uh, playoffs are concerned if they don't get themselves together. But the Cardinals are the big story next to Cleveland being six and zero as we head into Week Seven. Uh, with four out of their six wins coming on the road, which is also very, very impressive to begin the new season. Um, and at some point, I'm going to stop saying new season because we're flirting around the halfway point uh, of the uh, 2021 NFL season. But anyway, um, then, of course, you got the Cowboys beating the Patriots in overtime, uh, 35-29, and, was, and at that point in time was the best game of Week 6. An absolute thrilling football game. They went in overtime 35-29. Uh, Tra- uh, Trayvon Diggs had a pick six, and then the and then the play right after that, he gives up a long, deep bomb. Uh, he gives up a long, deep bomb. Uh, Mac Jones to... Um, when was that play? I got to sit and make sure I get that right. Um, he gives up the long play, 75 yards. Uh, Mac Jones to Kendrick Bourne with 2:11 in the fourth quarter to take the lead back again to go up 29-26 uh, uh, against Dallas. Uh, that was an abs- that was just a fantastic football game, fantastic finish. Um, Dak Prescott threw the ball 51 times, and typically when Dak you know was throwing the ball 51 times and they don't run the ball great as a team. With uh, Elliott and Pollard, their rushing attack was held in check. But typically when the Cowboys throw the ball 50 times in a game, they often lose. But the 445 uh, passing yard, three touchdown performance uh, from Dak Prescott uh, did not go in vain. CeeDee Lamb had a hell of a game, caught the game-winning touchdown catch, had nine receptions on 149 receiving yards, caught two touchdowns in the game. Absolutely phenomenal job by him. And then, of course, the Patriots, who have shown, you know, there's no such thing as more victories in the National Football League, especially when your team is head coached by Bill Belichick. But they showed they showed plenty of signs of promise on their 15. Mac Jones went 15 for 21, had that great uh, 75 yard bomb uh, late in the uh, second, late in the fourth quarter prior to the two minute warning, threw for two touchdowns, threw an interception, got sacked twice, ran the ball phenomenally well. Damian Harris, 18 carries, 100, 101 rushing yards, and a touchdown uh, on the afternoon for him. Um, Jason Myers is still without a touchdown catch, if you can believe that. Um, but uh, you know, but the Patriots played played good, but not good enough. You know, they required the extra quarter, and their defense cannot make the stop that they needed uh, to win the game. As the Cowboys ended up winning that game, thirty-five twenty-nine. Here's my issue with the Dallas Cowboys, and I and I am on record as a Cowboy hater per se, if you want to call it that. I'm not the biggest of Dak Prescott fan, not the biggest of Zeke Elliott fan, but this is a very talented football team, and this is the defense that you know had, especially riding on the shoulder of of uh, digs but this is a team that you know make that knows how to make the big plays when they when they need to make them in order for them to uh to put get to put games on edge or for them to, uh, when they need that key turning point in the game they know how to make plays but Here's my issue with the Dallas Cowboys, and in my honest opinion, it has nothing to do with it has nothing to do exactly with the players on the field. My issue is is the coaching and Mike McCarthy. 
you know, Mike McCarthy is it might if the uh, and I don't think now they are a good team. They're not an excellent team, as I got caught saying on the uh, I believe it was the Bring It Show on the ASAP Network on YouTube with uh, my pal uh, Big Dog. Shout out to him uh, who I was on whose uh, live stream show I was on on YouTube and Twitch on Monday night, and I and one one of the uh, panelists he had there uh, goes by the name of Coach. You know who said that they're a good team, not an excellent team. Got caught up a little bit of hyperbole there. They have won five. They have won five get five games in a row. To be fair to them, and they did take uh, and they did uh, and it, and they did take uh, Tampa, you know, to the final seconds. To in all fairness to Dallas, got to be fair. Got to be objective to you know. Got to be fair. Got to be objective to them. So they've played very well. They are, I guess you could say, a very good team. Not not necessarily a. Uh, an excellent team, a Super Bowl contending team in my eyes. I don't think they are, but but what's going to be their downfall and what's going to be the reason why they don't win the Super Bowl, let alone uh, let alone you know don't win the uh, AFC or excuse me the NFC, is because of the fact of is that their head coaching is suspect. You know they had as a team they had they had twelve penalties for hundred and fifteen penalty yards. Think about that for a minute. Twelve penalties, 115 yards for 115 yards. These are games. Now, maybe it is part of. Maybe it is because Mike McCarthy is the coach, not Jason Garrett. But in a game where the Dallas Cowboys have over 110 penalty yards, a dozen of them, Dak Prescott throws the ball 50, 40 to 50 plus times in the game, and they don't run the ball particularly well. Whether it's uh, whether it's Zeke Elliott by himself and now this two-headed tandem that they have with Pollard and Zeke, Dallas Cowboys typically don't win those types of football games, and they almost didn't because of the fact they were undisciplined with many penalties, which cost them drives. On top of the fact that you know that Mike McCarthy is wasting time at the end of the half, you know when you, know, you call a timeout so you can get the ball back and see if you try to score. Instead, he lets the clock run, 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 and run to the point where where he finally decides that he comes to his senses where he calls the timeout when the timeout was completely meaningless. On top of the fact, I have no idea why inside two why inside two minutes of that football game or there yeah inside two minutes of that foot of the game in the at the end of regulation why he's deciding to kick a fifty plus yard field goal on fourth on on uh, on fourth and one instead of trying to put instead of trying to put the game away. Mike, Mike, Mike. Greg Zerline has not been money this season, especially from deep. The kickers, especially, have not been money this season. As go ask uh, Mason Crosby and Evan McPherson of kicking field goals from deep. When your offense was money and it was clicking all night long, okay. And and again, it's not like Buffalo and Tennessee, which I get to in a minute, where you know where the game is essentially hanging in the balance. You got less than twenty seconds left. You're, you're in where where you know where it would take. A Jurassic folly in order for you, in order for you, in order for your place kicker to to you know to miss the clutch field goal. Instead of him deciding, instead of him deciding to do that at the end of the, instead of him deciding to do that at the end of the four, at the end of the fourth quarter, down 21-20, you're down three. I understand that you that you that, that you know the field goal puts you out in front, but you're not taking into account of the fact that you make that field goal. There is still a huge, huge chunk of time left on the clock for Mac Jones and the Patriots to go down the field and have a score of their own in order for them, you know, for them to win the football game. And uh, and and forever the and forever the reason it never crossed the Cowboys' mind, hey, it never crossed Mike McCarthy's mind, hey, 
if 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 he if Zerlon kicks this and makes this and by in a fifty I forget how long the field goal was it was uh, a fifty one yard field goal with, with two twenty it was not inside two misses with two forty two left in the fourth quarter no gimme no gimme a fifty one yard field goal Zerlon and Zerlon misses it. So let's say for the sake of conversation, he makes the field goal. Dallas goes up 24, goes up 23-21, and the and the Patriots still have their timeouts left, plus the two plus the two minute warning in order for them to march down the field and score and put the game away. So is this an incredibly asinine decision by Mike McCarthy, but kicking trying you know kicking the field goal instead of instead of going for it on that situation? It's fourth and one, Mike. It is two, you know, if they got timeouts in their back pocket plus a two-minute warning and you're down by a point. Even if your goal is to kick a field goal, you don't kick it in that situation from that distance because the 51-yard field goal is no gimme. You're down only one point. See, if you make the field goal, it's 23-21, and the Patriots are only down two with, the, with only needing a field goal to take the lead on top of the fact that the Patriots have a boatload of time, have a boatload of time left in regulation, plus the two-minute warning, plus their timeouts. And if you miss the field goal, which Zerline evidently did, you give the Patriots great field position for them to essentially milk the clock, and the game is over. And so in a situation where if Mac Jones does not throw that pick six to, Trayvon, to Trayvon Diggs, the, the New England Patriots are going to win that football game. And I tweeted that at the time. Now it now it turns out because essentially the, a play later, the Dallas Cowboys defense, their secondary was you know was it was was pathetic, and they let Mac Jones uh, launch the ball seventy five yards downfield for a score to to you know to immediately uh, to immediately respond to the Cowboy pick six. But I tweeted out at the you know right then there at the time that. And I was and I was I was joking when I tweeted, but I but I was kind of serious because Mike McCarthy owed Trayvon Diggs for bailing him out. That was a horrendous, horrendous decision to kick the field goal in that situation. And again, if even if you don't want to go for the touchdown, even if you're playing for the field goal, it's too long of a distance and it's too much time left on the clock for you to kick a field goal when you're only down one. Where if you make the field goal, you are only up. You're only up. Uh, you're only up by the score of 23-21. You're only up two. So it's a horrendous decision by Mike, Car- by Mike McCarthy, and making decisions like that, in my eyes, you know, when they're playing, when they're playing a game that, if the opportunity is there for them to get the one seed later on in the regular season, or in, or, or on the road, or at home, whether they're playing the Rams, Tampa again, uh, the um. The Packers, you pick the team. But there's going to be situations, I guarantee you, in the playoffs where Mike McCarthy is going to have to have an idea and have a pulse on his team and have a pulse of the situation, throw the analytics out the window and say, hey, guys, you know, we, 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 you know, I know it's fourth and one and we're only down a point and it's late fourth quarter and it looks tempting, but we can't, but we, we, but we can't afford to, uh, but we, well, we can't risk kicking a long field goal here in this situation, in this situation where if we miss it, the, you know, the opponent has great field position to either 
better to either score to put the game away, score to put themselves out in front, or in a situation where, or in, or they're put in a situation where they get a couple of first downs and the game is over, and they make us milk and and they make us use our timeouts. So I think my guy. So if they, if Mike McCarthy doesn't get a hold of the situation. He could end up costing the Cowboys the season, not necessarily their defense. You know, they're not necessarily their defense, Dak Prescott or Ezekiel Elliott. It could be Mike McCarthy that could end up costing the Cowboys, and in my eyes, preventing the Cowboys to be to be on that class with with Tampa, the Rams, and the Packers as the big time legitimate Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. But that's but that's item number two. Item number three is the uh, is the Pittsburgh Steelers escaping, and they did escape. the uh, the The Geno Smith led Seattle Seahawks in the Sunday night game, winning twenty three to twenty in overtime. I mean, first and if you're a Steelers fan, you cannot be with the pom poms jumping and and screaming and going and going crazy, cocoa for cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Beating the Geno Smith and having to work to beat the Geno Smith-led Seattle Seahawks at home in prime time. I mean, if it was Russell Wilson, I get it. But Geno Smith, I mean, let's I mean, let's be fair. Uh, come on, uh, Ben Roethlisberger again, twenty-nine of forty, nothing special. Two hundred and twenty-nine yards of passing through for one touchdown in the game. Najee Harris ran the ball fairly decent. Give him credit. 24 carries, 81 yards. Not a bad job by him, but still, when Ben Roethlisberger's throwing the football 40 times in a game, that's a recipe for disaster. The Steelers scored more than 17 points in back-to-back games. And, you know, Haley's Comet just flew by, uh, as, I ju- as I just said that sentence. Um, but yeah, but I give the Steelers de- the Steelers defense a ton of credit, and I understand it was only Geno Smith. I understand the Seahawks can't run the football, whether it's Russell Wilson behind center or Geno Smith. I get that, but an absolutely phenomenal job by the by the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Geno Smith, twenty three of thirty two through for two hundred nine, a touchdown pass in the game, got sacked. Five times. That's why I said get a Steelers defense. All the credit in the world got sacked five times. You had uh, T.J. Watt absolutely dominated the game. I'll get to him in a minute. Had two sacks in the game on top of his seven total tackles. Highsmith had a had a sack and a half. Warmly had a half a sack in the game. An absolutely phenomenal job by the Steelers uh, defense by the Steelers defensive front. And then of course, when it comes to the Seattle Seahawks, you know Geno Smith. You know, he's only going to take you but so far. We, You know what you're getting with Geno Smith. There's a reason why he's a backup in the National Football League and not and not still... Uh, and not uh, and not a, star, a uh, starting quarterback for an NFL franchise because you know what you're going to get. He has a very low ceiling and they, they can only take you but so far. You know, when the, when Seattle's defense made it made a clutch stop at the end of the game against the Rams in their final offensive possession of of note in the game, first play from scrimmage, Geno Smith, you know, from you know, from uh, Geno Smith leads Seahawks out there late in the fourth quarter, first play from scrimmage, throws an interception, costs Seattle a game. Seattle makes a couple of stops on defense in the overtime, first to ten, first play from scrimmage, Geno Smith pump fake, steps up, does has doesn't see T.J. Watt, Lucy Goosey with the uh, uh, with the football protection, gets the ball slapped out of his hands. Seahawks, or excuse me, Steelers recover it, run a couple of plays. Chris Boswell hits the game when he field goal. You know what you're going to get with Geno Smith. 
I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Even when, even when this god awful defense made the stops like they did, which gave Seattle an opportunity to get the ball back at the end of the at the end of the Ram game, which gave Seattle an opp- chance an opportunity to win the game uh, in in the overtime period, stopping the Steelers. Even when the Seahawks defense finally, had, when they're given the opportunity, they finally do step up. They, 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 you know, this, you know, Geno Smith gets the ball back and he vomits all over himself with, you know, with turning over the football. Which, again, we had Geno Smith as your quarterback, as you're going to have for the next three weeks or so until Russell Wilson gets back, whichever comes first. That, that's, that's going to happen. And even in games where your defense doesn't, doesn't entirely play horrendous and makes the, and makes the uh, clutch much-needed stops to keep you guys in the game, there's still no guarantee you're going to win it because Geno Smith is your quarterback. It's not to sound mean, not to sound harsh, but, it, but it's the fact of the matter. It's the, it's, it's the way it is. I'm sorry. It's, 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 it's the truth. Now, Seattle did run the football well for a change. Alex Collins ran the ball 20 carries, 100 and, 101 rush yards, and a touchdown in the game. So they did run the ball, for the most part, very well on Sunday night. But, again, you're only going to get but so far. And, uh, and, and uh, when it comes to T.J. Watt, I mean, an absolutely phenomenal season. He got robbed in my estimation. I don't want to sit up here as Mike and Orange County tried to tell me until the wee hours of Monday morning the other night, well, Aaron Donald this, Aaron Donald that, you know, double team, triple team. I don't want to hear it. You know, T.J. Watt, and this is, you can't debate it. T.J. Watt led the league in every defensive category. For the you know in 2020 last season, should have won defensive should have won defensive player of the year, okay. And and this is coming and this is coming from a Bengals fan that lives and is that lives and is from Baltimore who despises the Steelers. You know you you, you know you taught you taught you taught three things as a Baltimorean sports fan as a Baltimorean. Uh, as a Baltimorean uh, sports fan, f the Yankees, f the Yankee, or you taught, well, you taught. Uh, wait, 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 I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, you know, trying to think of something clever on the fly. But you thought, but you taught three things as a, as a, as a Baltimorean slash Marylander. F the Yankees, love crab cakes, and f the, and uh, and f the Steelers. And I, and I, and I got all three. You know, I'm not. A, I'm not a. Just because I'm not a Ravens fan, that doesn't mean I. I don't despise the Steelers as much as the Raven fan. You know, live living around the corner from my house. Even though I'm not a Raven fan, I still can't stand the Steelers as far as I can throw them. That the, I, I so so in that case, I am a Baltimorean through and through because I can't stand the Steelers as far as I can throw them. Can't stand them. And this is coming from and this come and this, this is coming from a Baltimorean Bengals fan that hates the Steelers. But T.J. Watt is was one of, if not the best, defensive player and defensive player in football, and one of the best uh, pass rushers this league has to offer. I understand Aaron Donald. You know he's got a tremendous body. His workout regimen is off the hook, and he's a scary force on the football field. I get that. I I, I get that. I, I, I told well, if you told me tomorrow that Aaron Donald would suit up for my Bengals going up against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, I'd be foaming at the mouth. I, I totally get that. But for the body of work that I've seen and man, me watching these guys closely, and I do, and I and the Rams on primetime television a whole hell of a lot, and they play a, and they play a whole hell of a lot of uh, marquee, you know, 
afternoon games that I've that I've seen enough of the Rams and I've seen enough of Aaron Donald the last couple of years to last a lifetime. I I've seen Aaron Donald play. He you know, and I don't want to sit here and hear the excuse well he was injured in a Packer game. If if you're if you're suiting up and if you're playing, you go out there and give your best effort. Okay, Lawrence Taylor played a playoff game. I think it was during the night. I think it was during either the '86 or the '90 uh, championship team for the Giants. He had a he had a broken wrist. It was either he or Carl Banks. I get confused. But had a broken wrist slash broken forearm. Had it cast had it casted up, and they went out there and they played and they played their ass off, and the Giants won the game. So I don't want to sit here and hear any excuses for Aaron Donald. If you're suiting up, we expect your best ever. That's what Bill Parcells always used to say. If you're hurt, don't play. If 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 you're playing, I don't want to sit here and hear about you. Well, you're injured or you're hurt because you because you, you had a choice. You had a choice. So I don't want to sit here and say. Mike tried to tell me. Well, you know, Aaron Donald. He would have dominated the Packers. Uh, he would have dominated the Packers. Packers would have won the game if he was playing. Bullcrap. Okay. With what offense, Mike? With Je- with Jared Goff vining all over himself every single time he dropped back the pass. No, thank you. And it's not that the uh, Packer defense last year was a, was uh, the '62 version, coached by Lombardi. Go ask, uh, you know, go ask Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, uh, Scotty Miller, uh, Scoot- uh, Scooter, his nickname, and Tom Brady from the championship game the week after that. Please. But anyway, I digress. T.J. Watt's the best defensive player in football bar none. Led every major category in the sport last year, and I see him, see him physically take over and impose his will on games that I, in my opinion and in my eyes, I don't see Aaron Donald do. And T.J. Watt does that. T.J. Watt Watt has that. And don't sit there and tell me, well, the play wasn't that good. He was triple teamed from the from the from the opening snap and found a way to find Geno Smith, found the ball carrier, and slapped the ball out of his hands and sacked him. And this was and this was a play after he made a clutch sack on third down to give to give Pittsburgh the ball back with an opportunity to win a game in the earlier stages of overtime. So I don't want to hear it. He made two clutch. Sack, he made two clutch sacks on back-to-back plays for Seattle. Two of them. One to get the ball back for Pittsburgh, and of course Pittsburgh's offense is inept, so they need a little, so they need a little bit more help. So T.J. White goes right back out there onto the field, coming off of that you know that huge hive getting that stop. Goes out there, triple teams, gets you know get avoids it, gets out of it somehow, finds Geno Smith, sacks him, knocks the ball out of his hands. Devin Bush recovers it. They run a couple of plays on offense. Get a chip shot field goal for uh, for Chris Boswell. Steelers win the game and prove the three and three. And I don't want to hear about the, about the double team, triple team excuse either. I heard, I've heard that nine thousand, not just from Mike, but I've heard that you know from the uh, from the uh, from the uh, Aaron Donald fan club nine thousand times. What is Darren Donald going to be the first or the last defensive player, you know, lineman or uh, edge rusher in the history of the sport that's going to get doubled and triple teamed? What he's not he's not the first. He isn't. What LT LT never got a never got doubled and triple team. Jack Lambert. Elsie Green, uh, 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 um, what's his face? Uh, the old uh, lineman from the uh, from the Rams, uh, from the fearsome foursome. Uh, I forget his name. It's going to come to me in a minute. Um, what the hell is his name? Uh, anyway, you get you get the idea. 
He ain't the first. He ain't LT. LT never got doubled and triple teamed. He isn't the first and he isn't going to be the last. Stop it. Stop it. And then and I got D, and I also got DK Metcalf, you know, who made who made the dumbest decision, one of the dumbest decisions and one of the dumbest plays I've seen on a football field yet uh, thus far this season. I got DK Metcalf who catches the ball, knows good and full well that the Seahawks need a field goal to tie the game. They are out of timeouts. There's about less than 20, probably less than 15 seconds. I don't have to play in front of me, but the, you know, they got less than 30 seconds, less than 25 seconds. That's all that matters with no timeouts. They need a field goal to tie the game and DK Metcalf is sitting here trying to be, here I come to save the day. You know, sitting here trying to play hoop, trying to play uh, hero, trying to play Superman erroneously doesn't step out of bounds, stays in bounds, clock continues to run, gets the ball punched out of him, fumbles the football, fortunate and blessed as all get out that the Seahawks recovered it, which wastes about about three, four more seconds you know, off the clock. So they have to scramble, 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 get to the line of scrimmage, get lined up, and snap and, uh, and spike the ball right in the nick of time. For Jason Myers to come on to come out onto the field and kick the game tying field goal, and I got you know DK Metcalf being you know, like an immature, petulant child, like a complete jerk, go out there and take shots at Shannon Sharp on Twitter, a guy who is not who is not a good, but one of the greatest wide receivers that this game has ever ever seen in the history of the sport. Three-time Super Bowl champion. He's in the Hall of Fame for crying out loud. Is you know if it was Skip Bayless or Colin Gowherd, I get it. But I and I understand that he you know he has the same he has the same current occupation as those two to a certain degree. They you know they work for Fox. They get paid to talk and and get paid to analyze and critique and debate sports. I get that. But but you know as 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 uh, Shaquille O'Neal likes to say, he's got G14 classification to say these things, especially when it comes to the NFL because there's no. Nobody on television that breaks down and knows how to analyze and critique the uh, the game on on TV better than Shannon Sharp, and that is fact. And he's got G14 classification to say these things. He isn't, you know, Mark Sanchez or Dan Olowski, the you know, these scrub quarterbacks that uh, that you know had the little had the little 15 seconds moment of glory of their career, and then they get paid a boatload to talk on television. Matt Hasselbeck, you name him, you know, he and uh, this is John, John. Well, Jonathan Velma was a Super Bowl champion, but you get the idea. Shannon Sharp's a Hall of Fame tight end, Super Bowl champion. He knows what the hell he's talking about, and he was a thousand percent right when he went out there when he when he tweeted out what he did. Metcalf, why are you trying to play the hero here in this situation? Your team has no timeouts left. You're down by three. There's the time is time is run is running paper thin on y'all's behind. Get out, catch the ball, get out of bounds, save some time left so you can kick the freaking field goal. And he did not do that. He did not step out of bounds, thus causing the clock to run a couple extra seconds on top of the fact that he fumbled the football where if the Seahawks don't recover it, the game is over the, the game is over, and the Seahawks lose on that play right then and there at the time. Period. And like Chris Collinsworth said, who had a very rough game on Sunday night, but he made an excellent point. I forget who, I think it was either Swaim or Lockett that recovered the football, whoever it was. 
if they stay on, if that Seahawks player stays on the ground for a second or two longer, the Seahawks lose the game. They spiked that, but I don't care what Tomlin and, and the blind Steelers, I don't know what clock they were looking at or what clock they were having in their head where they thought that that the, that Geno Smith didn't get didn't get the uh, didn't get the spike off in time. He got it off. He got it off with a second to spare. Okay, Steelers fans, relax. I don't know what clock they were looking at, but he got it off in just the nick of time. And if he stays on the ground a second or two longer, Steelers Steelers win the game. Hell, if if DK Metcalf's teammate doesn't have the wherewithal and the on-field awareness to, re- to see the ball on the ground loose and doesn't jump on it and recover it, the Seahawks lose the game. And I got DK Metcalf, who's a good receiver, nice receiver, nice talent, freakish ability, freakish body, who has a tremendous upside. Or if he keeps his head on straight and stops picking fights with with the league's all-time greats on Twitter, he's going to end up in Canton like uh, like Shannon Sharp. But he's but he's a young player in the league. Now outside of outside of you know a little outside of a couple of seasons, you know he he hasn't he hasn't really accomplished anything to, in comparison to Shannon Sharp. He retires tomorrow. He doesn't go into the Hall of Fame. Shannon Sharp drops dead tonight. He's forever immortalized in Canton as one of the game's all-time greatest wide receivers. He ain't Tony Gonzalez where he's got all the stats on the records and this and no championships to show for it. He's played. He, he played on three championship teams. And don't sit up here and tell me, well, he had Elway and he had Terrell Davis. Okay, what, uh, 2,000, 2000 Ravens. What 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 big time offensive players did they have on that team? What Quadre Ismael? All due respect to him and Jamal Lewis, Trent Dilfer behind center, please. Jermaine Jermaine Lewis, come on. Pay attention. Show some show a little bit of respect. My God. Deacon Jones, by the way, is the name of the Ram player I was trying to refer to. I told you it was going to come to me right out the clear blue sky. But anyway, show a little bit of respect. I mean, my I mean, what, what, I mean, what is what is with these what is with these new young players today? Are y'all that soft, that emotionally and mentally soft? And is your behind kissed? And are you that worshipped that much? Where somebody makes an accurate, honest, non-threatening, non-insulting criticism of you and all of a sudden you have your panties in a twist and you have a stick up your booty pipe about it? To the point where you're going to sit up here and, and trash and insult the guy with mean and nasty insults on social media? Really? You got more important things to worry about, DK, than you know, than and calling Shannon Sharp the, having the temerity, the audacity, the the chutzpah, and the unmitigated goal to call Shannon Sharp washed up when a he's in the Hall of Fame and b he's been retired for over ten years. Pay attention and 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 Google a nigga before you start talking crap about him. Stop it. There's anybody who's qualified to say something it's Shannon Sharp. Stop. More important fist to fry, DK. Like your football team that's sinking like the tit- like the Titanic right in front of your very eyes. With Mr. I'm the best in the nation. 
blitz boy Jamal Adams, who stinks. And Pete Carroll, who's running on borrowed time as we speak. Same goes for your defensive coordinator, Ken Norton. And you personally have better things to worry about, that, such as knowing how to know is such as running the two-minute drill and knowing that when you catch a ball, you know when your team is out of timeouts, there's less than 20 seconds left, and and you're in field goal range or you're in scoring position, know how to catch the ball and get out of bounds, not tap dance and shuffle around the sideline trying to trying to you know trying to make a play where there's no play to be made. And you end up following the football looking like a complete idiot out of yourself. Worry about that instead of Shannon Sharp. And the next time you start getting into a pissing match with a retired NFL player, Google him first before you start, you know, firing off before you start before you start tweeting with your thumbs. Google Shannon Sharp. Again, if, if it was if it was Colin Goward or Skip Bayless, fine. It's Shannon Sharp for crying out loud. Show a little bit of respect. Alright? Anyway. Tennessee Titans took care of business against the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football, winning by the final score of uh let me get my sheet uh organized here. Winning by the final score of thirty four thirty one. Um, Derrick Henry, who, you know, and again, another thing I'm also sick and tired of hearing, you know, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Saquon Barkley, best back in football, and when the, and it should be the running back, because you, you should take in your fantasy football draft. What are you, what are you smoking? What are you, nuts? A, 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 you can't be considered the best in anything if you're always hurt because the best ability is availability, and Derrick Henry is as as and Derrick Henry is as durable as as durable as a uh, as uh, as gorilla tape for crying out loud. Always plays, you know, plays the majority of every snap. You know, gets hella carries. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry shows up and plays and give and 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 and, and, is, and keep, takes care of himself. Durable body doesn't get hurt. Christian McCaffrey's made out of glass, and every single time you turn around, Saquon Barkley is always hurt and on IR with something. So stop. Derrick Henry is in, is in a class of one. He's in a league of his own. He is by far the best running back in the NFL. Period. If you're making an ultimate team, Derrick Henry is your running back. You can choose your quarterback to either be Rodgers, Allen, Herbert, Brady, Mahomes. Running back, you're going Derrick Henry. Case closed. End of story. And if you're not, you need your head examined. He's the best running back in football by a landslide. And can end up winning Offensive Player of the Year once again. 20 carries on 143 yards and ran for three touchdowns. He's absolutely, simply phenomenal. Phenomenal. He was a large part why the uh, Tennessee Titans walked away with the win. On top of the fact that that bonehead asinine decision by the Buffalo Bills on that fourth and on that fourth and one, leaving a field goal to tie inside of Tennessee's five-yard line. You know, with about 22 seconds to go in the fourth quarter, 
why they and they decided to go for it in that situation and stuff, playing for the overtime, playing it safe and kicking the field goal. And I and I read and I saw you know with the NFL next gen stats and the analytics and all this other nonsense. I don't that that said well it was a plus seventeen percent uh, chance that Buffalo was going to win if they you know by going for it to hell with the analytics I don't care what the analytics say you can take the analytics and and flush them down the toilet I don't throw them in the garbage I don't care and that situation where you're down three points and a field goal and a game tying field goal from that distance is a gimme you do not under any circumstances. Take the enormous risk and the stupid risk of going for it on fourth and one. You don't do it, especially when everybody in the whole world knows that Josh Allen, like I said on that Bring It show on the ASAP Network, like I said to them prior to the game last night, Josh Allen, when everybody, when Josh Allen, who's a fullback, who's a fullback or a line or or a or a linebacker sized player at the QB position. You don't do it when everyone, when everyone in the stadium and everyone watching on TV knows the ball is going to be in his hands as he's going to try to run the ball for, for a first down. And if not, try to get the touchdown. You don't do it when it's that blatantly obvious that of, 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 what's, going on, of what's going on. See, if you were to defend the decision, which I vehemently, vehemently disagree with, the play, the, 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 the play call was poor because it, because it was predictable as hell. And I, me personally, in my eyes, do not like the call. Do not like the decision. You're at you're inside of you're inside of the Titans' five yard line. There's less than thirty seconds left. Twenty two seconds left. Where if you don't get this, it's ball game. It is game over. You know how you doing? Keep it moving. Have a nice bye week. We'll see you in a couple of weeks, Buffalo. You lose your first, you know you drop the four and two, and you lose your first game since week one. You lose your first road game of the season. You don't do it in that situation. It's too risky of a play. And the risk-reward is not worth it for you to go for it in that spot. Where if you don't get it, game's over. You lost. You do, you do get it, get the first down. You still have to worry about the clock. You still have to worry about the, you know, the time. I don't know if they had a timeout or not. I go back and look. But you still have to worry. You still have to factor in the timeouts. Even if you get the fir- even if you get the first down by an inch, the clock is still running. You're still down by three points, and they have to step in. Fact then, well, do we kick the field goal now? Or, you know, when you when we could have earlier, or do we have or do we you know call a timeout, and go for the gusto, and see if we and see if we can put the ball in the end zone. And it's, and it's just it's, it's too that the risk reward was not worth it for the Buffalo Bills to go ahead and and, and uh, you know and go with, and go at the analytics which and which were wrong in this situation. I don't care what the analytics says. Well, plus seventeen percent, you know, going for it with the analytics. The hell with the analytics. Go with what your eyes and go with your gut. Go what go with what's fundamentally smart here in this situation, and that's the play for the overtime and kick the field goal. You don't get it, you lose the game. It's not worth it. Where you can where where you can, where you kick the field goal, you, you know, cap capping off a hell of a drive. You got all the momentum. The momentum's on your side, and Tennessee's deflated going you know going into the overtime period. 
and I don't know. I'm going off of the top of my head. I'm going off of my own. This is the, I'm making an educated guess with this. But I'm pretty sure that all the overtime games that we've had this season, I'm pretty sure that the team that's gotten the opening possession has not, has not won it outright. I think the only outlier, I think, I'm not positive, I think the only outlier was the Vikings against the Panthers this past weekend. I think I think they were the only outlier where where the team that got the opening possession went down the field and scored a touchdown on on their uh, on their first possession. I could be wrong on that. Don't don't uh don't uh don't go to the bank with that, but that's what I, that's what I'm going off of off the top of my head. So it's not like that. Well, it's a 50-50 coin. It's not like it's not I mean I mean come on. It it did the first possession. They're not winning the game just the other night between between Pittsburgh and Seattle. We've played a bunch of over we've played a bunch of overtime. I think the, I think the Ravens on their opening possession, they won the toss went down the field square their opening possession. But it's but during this season, it's few and far in between where the team that's won the coin toss, gotten the opening possession, has marched down the field and scored a touchdown to win the game. Few and far in between. It se- at least in my eyes, it seems like to me more times than not, and Buffalo did have a timeout there in that situation uh, on that fourth and one. But it but it seems like but it seems out and it's playing out to me in my mind that more times than not that that team that that at least both teams get the ball at least once before before there's a determined winner in these overtimes so far this year. So it's not like well 50-50 Tennessee gets the ball they go down the field they win the game. Not necessarily the not not necessarily the case. It was a dumb decision. And and I don't want to sit here and listen to Sean McDermott as he said after the game or oh, it's about culture. Sean, your team has made the, your team has made the playoffs 3 times in the last 4 years. You've won a couple of playoff games. You got to the AFC Championship game last season. You're a Super Bowl contender and a favorite out of the AFC to make the Super Bowl. It's not a if it's the Bengals fine. If it's the uh, if it's the uh, if it's the Las Vegas Raiders, fine. You're not about culture. You're about winning games, getting best record in the AFC, lock up the one seed, and having the AFC go through Buffalo in your route to go to the Super Bowl over out there in Inglewood at uh, SoFi Stadium. Not about culture, but it's about winning games, especially against contending teams like Tennessee, where a tiebreaker could be the factor when the when the dust is settled and it's all said and done at the end of the season. Win the football game. Forget the culture. Forget what the analytics tell you. Go for the kick. Play it. Don't overthink it. Don't get greedy. Don't try to outsmart yourself. Kick the field goal. Kick the field goal. Tie the game up. Play for overtime. And even if you do win the toss, Josh Allen's going to go right down the field and put the ball in the end zone. That's all there is to it. So, I I I did not I did I disagree. And I don't care what the analytics say. You know what they sh- the going for was the right move. Bullcrap. And I don't sit there and say, "Well, I'm playing the results." I tweeted out before they stamped it. Don't go for this here. Don't overthink this. Don't get greedy. Kick the field goal and play for the and play for the overtime. And they should have done it, and it came back to buy him in the ass. That's your week six recap. Get to the NLCS and ALCS coming up right after this.
Welcome back to the Amateur TIS Podcast. Switching gears now to the AL and NL National League Championship Series. Um, just to give you a little bit of an update and give my two cents on these two series as we're, as we're two games in with the National League and three games in with the American League. Um, with the uh, first of all, I'll do the American League first because uh, you know because there won't be another American League game. Uh, well, to check that there's uh, there's one Tuesday, there won't be one Wednesday. But um, with the the Boston Red Sox, they absolutely beat the crap out of the Astros the other night. Um, Kyle Schwarber, who was a, an absolutely phenomenal trade on the part by the Red Sox, who did nothing but kill the ball for the uh, for the Nationals back in the summertime. That was a fantastic trade by him. Uh, he had a grand slam, a part of the uh, Red Sox six-run bottom of the second inning uh, as they destroyed the Astros 12-3 the other night. They are locked in. Their hitting is just off the frickin' is just off is just out off the charts. I mean the Red Sox can do no wrong as far as hitting the baseball. Twelve runs with eleven hits. Schwarber went deep or Warber Royal, excuse me, went deep. JD Martinez uh went deep as well. Rafael Devers can just do no wrong. The uh Astro starting pitching is just getting knocked around all over the place uh in this series. I believe they have an ERA over twenty. I mean they have just been absolutely uh, absolutely off the charts. They have ten or more hits in six consecutive postseason games. That's the longest streak within within a single postseason all time. Nineteen home runs this postseason, one shy of their franchise record, and the most home runs in a single postseason. That was said no three. They had as many grand slams in this during this postseason tournament as they've had uh, during the entire regular season, which is also. Uh, which is also hard to believe uh, as well. They have just done an absolutely phenomenal job um, as far as the Red Sox have, uh, as far as the Red Sox have uh, this season thus far. Just, I mean, they, they're hitting the cover off the ball, and the Houston Astros starting pitcher can't find a way to get it to get any outs. An absolutely dominating performance on Monday. Saturday took care of business uh, to even up the series at a game of peace. Oh, uh, winning the game by the final score of nine to five, becoming the first team in MLB history to hit two grand slams uh, in the same game in a postseason game. They accomplished that in Game Two on Saturday. It's Game Three is on Tuesday night with uh, Granky and Pavetta as the uh, Houston Astros try to even up the series at two games apiece here in Game Four. As far as the National League is concerned, is where it's gotten a little bit, uh, as where it's gotten a little bit. Uh, interesting game one on Saturday night. Uh, the uh, at the Braves won that game in a walk off fashion by the final score of three to two. Austin Riley hit a game winning walk off uh, walk off double to win the game off of Blake Tri- off of Blake Trinan in the bottom of the ninth inning. An absolute pitcher in an absolute pitcher's duel uh, in that game. An absolute phenomenal, intriguing baseball game on Saturday night. And then they turn around on Sunday night in game two. And Dave Roberts, you know, screwing up his bullpen again. Uh, which dates back, which, you know, his decision to go with the opener and not go with his 20-game winner in in uh, Julio Urias in game five has now come back to bite him because, you know, Scherzer, who can only go four and a third because, quote, by him, and he, you know, he only gave up two, he only gave up two runs on four hits and struck out seven and said, hey, 
I'm shot. My arm is tired. I can't go no further. And that's because, you know, sure, it's because Dave Roberts with his bullpen, and now not just his bullpen, he's screwed up his entire pitching staff. Urias, who blew a save in the inning of work coming out of the bullpen. He's a 20-game winner, for crying out loud, and Dave Roberts is using him coming out the bullpen. And then Scherzer, of course, to begin the game, you know, when he's screw, you know, screwing him up, when he had to get those final uh, three outs in game five, against the Giants on Thursday on last Thursday night. Screwing up his bullpen. Blake trying to pitch well instead of leaving him in the game who was cruising on get worked worked an inning. He runs in he brings in Urias who's running on fumes. Inning of work gives up three gives up a three hits on two runs uh, and ends up blowing the and ends up blowing the save and Gastrol comes in pitches two pitches two thirds innings of work. Um, and gets charged with the loss with the with the run that uh, Jansen gave up on a hit to uh, on a hit to um, on the game winning hit uh, to uh, what's his face who scored the uh, scored the game scored the game went to on the game winning hit to Eddie Rosario gives up the uh, single gives up the uh, ground ball up the middle off of Corey Seager's glove Dansby Swanson scores and the Braves ended up winning the game five to four back to back games Braves go up. Two nothing in this series um, via walk off wins uh, at Truist Park, all because Dave Roberts and Max Friedman, you know, and I and again I said this on the Bring It Show last night, and I said it then, I'll say it again. You know, the Dodgers one of the the Dodgers one, and I understand it's one of the reasons why they're such a great baseball team and why they win over a hundred games, they make the postseason every year, so on and so forth, is because they have the resources and they have the money. Of the big market teams that they are, of the big market team that they are, you know, it being the LA Dodgers, worth billions, they can go out there and and you know, they can burn money and throw money at any player that they want, regardless regardless of the price, regardless regardless of the asking of the of the uh, of the asking pri- uh, price range, and then they also you know mix in that Moneyball, Oakland A, Tampa Bay Ray type of play, and you know you mi- and you mix both of them together, and you get a championship contender, a, a winning baseball team on a year in year basis every single season. The caveat with that is the fact that A, the Dodgers have been to the World Series in 2017, 18, and uh, 20, and have only won it once. They, and they've only won it once during this, what, decade or so uh, time period of, of NL West slash National League dominance where they win 90 games and they make the postseason year in and year out. They've only got one uh, only got one World Series championship to show for it. That's the first thing. Second thing is is that is that it, that it veers off of common of of common baseball sense. You know, it, you know why Urias is coming in the game instead of just rolling with Blake Trinan, who's pitched well this postseason. I have no i I have absolutely I have absolutely no idea. You're, you're running on fumes with him, and you're running on fumes with Scherzer. You know, to Scherzer, I understand that, they, that it was a do or die game five, but you know you've 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 possibly have screwed him up for the rest of the postseason because of because he was so desperate to use him in game five against the Giants. And again, going with that asinine opener strategy in that game five against San Francisco last week, when you got Ramon Urias, who's a, who's a twenty game winner. And you go with the opener strategy, and you and you bring in Ramon Urias in relief instead of just starting that game five to begin with. Now it didn't come back to bite them as far as them losing the game, but you see that they're paying for the consequences here in this series. You know they're getting destroyed by Jacques Peterson, first player to homer in an LCS 
in an LCS against the team he reached the, he reached the LCS with since Manny Ramirez did for the Red Sox against the Indians in 2007. They're getting destroyed by Jacques Peterson in this series. The Braves are the fourth team in the history of the sport to win games one and to win the first two opening games of a postseason series via walk-off. Ada Rizar is the fifth player in postseason history with a four-hit game, including a walk-off hit. They're getting absolutely destroyed because of the fact of Dave Roberts and his, I can't even say bullpen, but his pit, but his entire pitching staff's mismanagement. So, if they end up losing this series, again, you know who to blame. And Dave Roberts is the reason why many a times that the Dodgers were not able to bring home the bacon when it came to uh, when it came to beating when it came to beating the Astros and postseasons past, whether it be uh, Hugh Darvis against the Astros in 2017. Uh, bringing in Ryan Madsen against uh, you know when they had a, after they had a thirteen or however what I th- I think it was like a fifteen inning game against a uh, fifteen inning marathon game against the Red Sox the night before he's disappearing and and is so is sugar happy to bring in Ryan Madsen I mean it's at it's at infinitum it's the same thing over and over again expecting different results with Dave Roberts and again his bullpen mismanagement is going to be the reason why the Dodgers yet again I stand the defending champions he can't take that away. From from them, but you know, a franchise with all this talent, with all of the, with all the money that they spend on their players, they should have mo- they should have more than one championship to show for it when they're in the postseason year after year after year after year after year, and they won over 100 games, second best record in the National League, and yet and yet the second best record in all of baseball, as a matter of fact. And yet, Dave Roberts is going to be a reason again why the Dodgers go without a championship because of his bullpen mismanagement, and it's and it's and, and it's absolutely damning to think about. But you also got to give, but you also got to give uh, the Braves tremendous credit. They've showed tremendous grit. It seems that they've kind of learned their lesson at least thus far uh, with their you know from blowing the three-one lead to the Dodgers last season. And and last in last year's NLCS, they know how to get off the deck when their backs were against the wall. They were dead. They were dead in the water, dead to rights. Everyone, including yours, truly thought their season was over when Acuna went down to torn ACL back in August, and they've done nothing but you know scratch, fight, and claw their way. They didn't win. Uh, they didn't win a hundred games, you know, to win that National League East, and now they're only two wins away from upsetting the hundred plus win Dodger team. Albeit they did, albeit they did win their division and they still have home field in the series, but they, but they're two wins away from doing the impossible and reaching the World Series with the tumulus, crazy, ridiculous season that they've had. Jacques Peterson's killing the Dodgers, hitting, and oh by the way, Austin Riley's killing them too. And oh by the way, Freddie Freeman hasn't gotten hot yet, and he's and he's their best player. So factor that in as well. Take a break. Get to the NBA. To close out the program, I'm Tucker TIS Podcast. To the um, to like the, jeez, T 
to the I'm a Talent Like Your T.I.S. podcast. Switching gears now to the NBA because uh, their season, believe it or not, uh, starts on Tuesday, October 19th. I think it's too soon for the NBA season, uh, you know, for the NBA season to start because uh, it gets lost in the shuffle with all with all the other sports and everything that's happening in sports. You know, baseball, baseball, they start. It kind of gets, it gets kind of it. For the most part, it gets all the attention and it's made a big deal outside of the it, it, it you know runs up against the NCAA tournament. But that you know you can't really count that. Not even because it's it's typically in between it's in between the Elite Eight, Final Four. Um, so baseball kind of like has its own little its own little uh, soapbox moment when it sees them again. College football the same thing. Uh, college football the same thing. It starts. Before the it starts before the NFL does baseball's been around all summer long, uh, you know the winter sports are still in the thick of their off season. Uh, football, the NFL when it starts it's a huge it's a huge deal. It goes up against it goes up against baseball, but it's all by its lonesome. No college football has to go up against again the winter sports still in the off season. You can't say that about hockey. You can't say that about baseball. It's because when those because when those seasons start, you know you're in the thick of the bait. You're in the thick of uh, playoff baseball. Uh, you're in the thick of postseason baseball. The NFL season is about a month in. And everyone's talking. Everybody has football, both NFL and college, on the mind, on the brain, and it's it's kind of the flay. It's kind of you know what everybody's talking about. And uh, and, th- and and thinking about from a sports standpoint is concerned. So, you know, I think and they have. You know, this is the season where they you know kind of get the NBA season, uh, the NBA season back on track. You know, as far as like its normal October to June schedule. I I understand it wasn't good for the league and you know the ratings suffering and everything else, but I had zero issue. Now, granted, they were now granted they had just wrapped up playing in the bubble around this time last year, but. I had no issue with the uh, with the December start and the July finish. I thought that was absolutely perfect. From you know because you're you know you're not, you know because uh, you, you you have an opportunity. First off, because the uh, December is when is when you know at least my mind at least for the most part starts starts paying attention to the NBA season cuz you know Christmas and everything else start you know baseball's been over for a good little while the football regular season you know you, you still have your mind on football because of the because of the bowl games and the college football playoff and the NFL regular season coming down to a close but now it's like oh ba- you know cuz it's winter time you know oh winter time you know you think you know hockey per, you know winter, you live in a you live in a winter climate you know hockey cold oh, weather starting to get cold you know your mind goes there your basketball fan oh NBA oh okay if especially if you don't have a team oh NBA let's see what uh you know let's see what's you know let's see what the uh, TNT game of the night is you don't have to worry about you know no again baseball postseason long over of course, you know f- football. You know outside of your Monday night, your Thursday night game, there's isn't there is NFL to watch during the week. So you know, so your so your brain naturally, you know, is, your brain naturally is going to uh, is you know natural. At least from my from my vantage point, in my opinion, your brain's going to magically go there. I understand. You know what can you do? They've done this forever. I I me personally would push the start time back. I would push the start of the season back. If it was me, I would start it uh, in early November 
So two weeks from today is when I started November the 2nd. You know, I believe that would be Game 7 of the World Series, if I'm not mistaken, on November the 2nd. Started started then, uh, and then, you know, your season would end around, you know, typically it's over by Father's Day, which would be the 19th. Uh, so, you know, you push it back to where the season ends about, you know, June 26th through the week of June 30th, the last week of June. I don't think, or, or, or the first week of July, I don't think it would be that big of a deal myself because, again, it's mid-October. You got you got two LCS games. You got two LCS games going on with baseball. Uh, and, on, and on top, everyone's talking NFL, you know, coming off of, you know, week six of the NFL and the Monday night game that was last night. And, you know, and their ratings, I wouldn't imagine, will be very will be very strong to start out to see, especially especially during uh, especially during days where it's where you where you, your mind's thinking football. You know, Friday, you know, Friday and Friday nights, you know, you still got high school football going on. People aren't going to stay in the houses watch, watch, you know, watch game or four, you know, game three, four and five of a of a 82 game NBA season. You know, when they're when they're high school alma mater or their or their high school that their that their son plays for has got a big time football game. They're not going to sit and watch NBA NBA basketball when they got the entire season. And you can even make the argument with hockey. You know, I'm not, I'm not a hockey guy. I'm not the guy to ask. But you know, when if uh, if your local high school or your alma mater high school's got a big time, highly anticipated. Uh, a highly anticipated football game. Why would you stay in the house watch NBA where you can watch basketball? Especially when they start around the time where where around high schools all across the nation, um, you know, it's their it's their homecoming weekend. They got homecoming dances. They got their homecoming football games, and it's a big deal, big time event. While the NBA, you know, little old NBA is t- is tipping off the brand new season. So, I don't like it from that vantage point. On top of the fact that you know. If you're going up against Thursday night on Monday night football, you're going to get killed. Going up against you know Saturday college football, you're going to get killed. Um, and even if and now and now they now they they've surpassed baseball, I get that. But in my eyes, and if you're a serious sports fan, you're going to watch an NBA game or you're going to watch you know deciding game six or game seven of the American League or National League championship series or World Series game that's going to determine the champion. Which one are you going to watch? If you're being fair, if you're being honest and objective about which one are you going to watch? You know, if and if if you have skin in the game with your favorite team, you'll keep an eye you'll keep an eye on it. But but what's but what's but what's going to what's going to grab more of your attention? I put and I put I put it to you like this: If you got a favorite basketball or hockey team, and your and your favorite basketball or hockey team is playing is you know is playing a. Uh, is playing a, a uh, you know game six, a game seven, or a game five, whatever a, a playoff game in general, you know in in April in May, in April in May, you know your your favorite your favorite winter team sport, whether it be basketball or hockey, is playing a is playing a playoff game in the middle of uh, April or May, and it's going up against you know your favorite baseball teams playing that night. You'll keep an eye on your favorite baseball team's game, but what's eighty eighty percent of your attention going to be on the playoff game? Because it's hot, because it's higher stakes. Baseball season, baseball season's long. It's fairly young. April and May, 
you know, you watch because it's your favorite team. But if if you if if they lose, you know, if they lose a uh, you know, a, a game of a, of a of a weekend series in late April, early May, mid May, you'll live. You know, your teams that your teams down three two, up three two, they win or lose. So it's a it's a big deal. Same principle with basketball. Same principle. So I, I may personally would start. I don't like the time yet the NBA starts. I understand that you know ESPN and the FS1 shows make a big deal out of it because it's the NBA and that's the second most popular sport and and you know all this and essentially outside of uh, outside of a couple of UFC or boxing matches, the only sports that the uh, that for the most part the ESPN and the FS1 shows talk about is football and basketball. I get that, and with the NBA season finally starting, it gives them a reason to talk about the NBA because there's actual games to recap. And actual games to break down and talk about instead of just gossip, hearsay, off the court, off season nonsense. But uh, but you know, first month of the NBA season. You know, if if you don't watch if you don't watch any NBA and or NHL games for that matter, at least at least in a month of October, you'll live. You'll live. Baseball, you know, postseason baseball is over with. World Series is over. Champions Crown. Looking for some sports to watch during the, you know, during the weekdays when there's no NFL football on. Then that's when, then that's when you know you can kind of turn your attention to you know to your hockey or your basketball. But me pers- me, me personally, you know, you got you got Monday night, Thursday night football. On top of the fact you got postseason baseball. That's enough for me. And it makes it easier for me because I because I don't have a favorite basketball team, so it makes me so I can pick and choose. You know, I you know, I can pick and choose not to watch, you know, an NBA on TNT game in the middle of, in the middle of October. I know I'm, I know come February I know come February and March prior to the NCAA tournament, the NBA is going to be my best friend. You know, when baseball when spring training hasn't begun, when spring training has either just begun, has begun yet, and the NFL season's just ended, the NBA is going to be my best friend in a month of February. And then the early parts of March, heading into you know heading into March Madness, and I'll be all over the NBA playoffs come April and May, and the NBA Finals in June. But October, you pick and choose your spots. At least that's how I that's how I feel about it. That's why I feel about it. Postseason baseball and the NFL top priority in my eyes. And if you got a college team, your, your college football team takes top priority. NBA, NBA, NBA. There there will be plenty of time. To uh, to get get your NBA, plenty of it. Long season, long season. But anyway, sign here on there. Um, and I also want to get some NFL stats on the board before we say goodbye as well. Um, just to give you a couple of uh, two two my opinions on two things, and then give you my season predictions to close out the program. Uh, ben, this issue with Ben Simmons. And you know, and and just the complete debacle that this has become. First off, and I brought this up uh, back in September of him having the temerity, the audacity, the chutzpah, and the temerity to sit up here and request a trade and want out of Philadelphia when he hasn't done a damn thing for this organization uh, since he's since he's been there. More recently, you know, the disgusting playoff series he had. 
uh, especially against Atlanta, uh, back in the summertime. I mean, to forget to hell with Ben Simmons. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, er, apparently, earlier this afternoon on Tuesday, Doc Rivers asked him to join in a defensive drill. Ben Simmons wanted, refused, wanted no parts of it. Rivers asked again. Simmons said no. Rivers told him to piss off, kicked him out of practice. Simmons dropped the ball like a child, pouted, and left. I mean, this is Ben Simmons now, you know, who causes this huge major racket, ruckus and this and causes this huge racket to begin, uh, you know, earlier in the off in the middle of the off season, saying, uh, saying, you know, I won't report the camp. I want nothing to do with this team. I want out. I want out. So decides to, you know, seize the light, or someone told him that, hey, Ben, you stink. You don't have a leg to stand on. You're not. You're not you're not Kyrie Irving, you're not James Harden, you're not LeBron James, you're not Russell Westbrook. You're Ben freaking Simmons. You don't have to you don't have a single leg to stand on and you have not proven not one time in your NBA career that you're a championship caliber player or a player that that has the Now I don't think no player has the right, you know, you sign a contract to live up to it. Um, but even in this set of circumstances, he doesn't have a leg to stand on for him to start calling shots and for him to sit up and say, well, I want out. I want no business with the team I'm playing on because he, because he hasn't earned it yet. And that's the and he, either he came to his senses and realized that or somebody in, in his inner circle told him that. So he decided, oh, I'll bite the bullet. What the hell? I'll go back. Prior to the season starts. I, you know, I still I got I got I got to get paid. Got to get paid. Goes back and then and then you know sits up here. Simmons asks him to join in a join in a drill. He wants no parts of it. He drops the ball and pouts off like a petulant child and goes home. I mean, hey, this this is why this is why most this is why some of America uh, and some of the uh, American people I put it to you like that can't take the NBA players seriously because if you sit up here and do that on your job, you get told to piss off and take your belongings with you in the pink slip. You're out the door. You're fired. So a a you know this is not how the real world operates and how the regular common folks such as yours truly that, 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 that you know we do that in corporate America at our regular old nine to five job whether we get now and get paid hourly or our yearly salary we get told where we can stick it and we and we get and we get shown the door MBA for whatever the reason you know and the, which is an unreal which is which. In some in some form form and fashion, it's kind of is is not really real life. That 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 doesn't happen. Well, God bless seventy six for finally putting their foot down, and uh, and and saying, hey, we're not going to put up with your foolishness. We're not going to put up with this. If you don't want to be a part of this this basketball team, and you don't want to sit up here and think that you're better than everybody, and don't want to participate in a drill, you can go. You can go somewhere. You can go somewhere and sit down. But you ain't gonna. But you ain't gonna part. Good job for Doc Rivers kicking them out of practice too. Doc Rivers been in the league a long time, coached in many locations for a good little while. Good job by him, you know, telling Ben Ben Simmons where he can stick it. You know, Ben Simmons got a lot of nerve. Again, uh, for the nine thousandth thousandth time, this same Joker that shot thirty three percent on foul shots in the Atlanta series and shot thirty four percent from the free throw line in the entire twenty twenty one playoffs, and he sits up here and has the chutzpah, the temerity, the audacity, and the unmitigated goal to sit up here and think that he's Mister Hot Shot, Mister Julius Irving, Mister Allen Iverson, to sit up here and call the shots in Philadelphia. You must, you must be kidding me. 
a guy who did absolutely nothing but embarrassed himself and embarrassed the organization in the playoffs back in the summertime. Again, Kevin Hooter outscored him in that in that uh, in that deciding game in that playoff series against against Atlanta back in the back in the summertime. Kevin Hooter and Ben Simmons is making money hand over fist, and he can't be bothered to participate, you know, in a defensive drill during practice of about a couple of days before before their season starts. That is an absolute joke, joke. And good job for Doc Rivers setting it straight, because that 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 should not fly. When you average eleven points, eight assists, and about eight rebounds, and you shot. Collectively, you shot 34% from the free throw line in the playoffs last year. That is unacceptable, and you're making them, and you're making you know money hand over, and you're making the money that Ben Simmons is making. I think over a 192 million dollar contract he recently signed. Are you going to sit up here and pull this crap? On top of the fact that you having the balls to sit up here and try to request the trade out of Philadelphia when they've done nothing but kiss but but kiss your rear end and worship the ground you walk on, and you have done absolutely nothing to bring them anywhere closer to an NBA championship than before they drafted you. You gotta be kidding me. You can't defend Ben Simmons. You know, Ben unlike the unlike the crap that James Harden pulled you last year with the Nets, Ben Simmons is not worth it. He's not worth it. And I can't stand it when the NBA player pulls this crap. But but even for the person as pro player dictating dictating essentially their destiny, even the even the person that's pro that's typically pro player in these types of situations has, has to sit up here and say Ben Simmons has cro- has crossed so many lines and is so wrong on this it's mind boggling because he has not proven himself throughout the span of his NBA career as recently as this past as this past season back what we're in October back five six months ago or not six uh what not six um Five and four months ago. That's right. Four or five months ago, as recently as five, four months ago, that he is worth the aggravation and the headache because he isn't. He's done absolutely nothing but take a check, which is an expensive check, and has done nothing but essentially take the Philadelphia 76ers money and has done nothing but spit the but spit the bit and hypothet and not hypothetically, but um, but uh, you know, I'm using I'm using uh, hyperbole here. But defecate on a basketball court with his play, especially especially in the postseason, has done nothing but defecate with his play all over the Philadelphia 76ers organization, his teammates, his coaches, and the fans. He's not good enough. Now I don't think any player is good enough to do this, but he especially should, should be the last person in the NBA to put to pull this. I I you know I don't I don't get what I want. I'm gonna take my ball. I'm gonna request a trade. I want out. I want to go home. You know I don't get my way. I'm gonna take my ball. I'm gonna take my ball and go home. He's the last person in America that has any type of leverage, or he's the last person, last person in the sport. To do that, to do to pull to pull something like this, because if there's anybody, anybody 
in the NBA that does not deserve that quote-unquote right to do so, it is Ben Simmons. Because you can't sit up here and say that they haven't given them pieces around them. They've gone out there, they've spent in free agency, they've gone out there and they've drafted. You got Joel Embiid sitting there as your center. So don't sit up here and pin it on the franchise. Franchise has done their part. The problem is with ben, they've changed coaches. They got um, what's his name? They got Brett Brown out of there when you lost the playoff series to the uh, when you lost the playoff series to Boston back in August of 2000, 2020. They got they got Daryl Morey in. They got a they got a brand new GM in there. They got Doc Rivers from from the from, you know when when the uh, when the Clippers sent him out the door. Can you, can you, so you can't sit up here and say and pull the card. Well the well the well the 76ers haven't done enough and haven't. And haven't done their part in supporting me with a championship cast and championship member, uh, championship level teammates and executives and coaches around me to put us in a situation where we can win a championship. He, he can't pull that card because they have. They've changed GMs. They've changed coaches. They've changed players. Signed, drafted, whole nine yards. And a common denominator is Ben Simmons vomiting all over himself and collapsing like a cheap tent in the postseason. He's the common denominator. Gave him, gave him a gave him an enormous contract. Do I have to pull up the contract one last time? Do I have to pull up the contract one last time? Getting paid $33 million a year over a five-year $177 million contract. And Ben Simmons now, Ben Simmons, who shot 34% from the free throw line in 12 games in the postseason back in the summer, is going to sit up here and not follow orders and not participate when he is asked. He really shouldn't even be asked. He should be demanded. Ben, you're on this basketball team. Get your caucus over here and run this defensive drill you know, during our last couple of practices before the season starts. Is going to sit up here and you know and essentially say no and, uh, and 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 engage in insubordination, defy his boss, screw over his teammates, drop the ball and pout like a baby off the practice court when he's getting paid thirty-three million dollars a year, a point guard in the NBA on a playoff contending team. It's going to pull this crap to hell with Ben Simmons. To hell with him. If he doesn't like it, if he doesn't like Doc Rivers, if he has a problem with Joel Embiid, who, who, who had the guts to say something, who's about sick and tired of his crap too, by the way. If, he, if, he, if, 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 if he's got a problem with those guys, who I could care less. Could cry him a river. Cry me a river. I do not care. If he's sick of Maury, tough. If he's sick of ownership, tough. If he's sick of Doc Rivers, because Doc Rivers isn't going to co-sign on his foolishness, tough. If he's tired of, of Joel Embiid, who's now starting to get annoyed and sick and tired of him, tough. Getting paid $33 million a year, and you can't make free throws. You can't make th free throws. Five-year, $177 million contract getting paid $33 million a year, and you can't make free throws in a postseason series. Getting outscored by Kevin Hooter. Got the basketball ball in your hands underneath the hoop, and you're, and you're scared, and you're scared just to, 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 just to make a simple dunk. I could go find JV players. 
that could do better. Playing this game for free. He's lazy. He don't, he don't, he doesn't want to win. He doesn't want to work. He's lazy. Just doesn't care. Just walks around with that I don't give a crap attitude and thinks that he's just going to get handed a paycheck because his name is Ben Simmons and he wears an NBA uniform. And that every and that everybody's going to bow down and worship the ground he walks on. That's not how the real world works, Hoss. And you're not that good of a player to the point where people are going to, you know, bite bite and hold their tongue and bite the bullet and put up with your foolishness. Because you're not that good. I hate the crap that James Harden pulled, but James Harden is one of the most efficient offensive scorers in the NBA today. Ben Simmons is the literal antithesis of, James, of, of, of what James Harden is as a basketball player and as a point guard. The, what James Harden is, Ben Simmons is not. The literal exact opposite. Now, I both wouldn't want them on my team, you know, with a, with a championship under on the line under any circumstances. But I know James Harden is, a, is at least going to go out there and try. Russell Westbrook, as much as I don't care for him, and I don't think that, and again, I he ain't I, championship team champion championship to win for my life. I ain't getting I ain't I ain't getting Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook goes out there and get, and gives it his all, gives it his heart. He gives it everything he has, and all fairness and all due respect to him, I gotta give him his props. He goes out there, and he tries, he wants to win, he wants to put out, he wants to put out a product for him, his family, his teammates, his coaches, his executives of the of, of, of the of the team in the front office, wants to give them something to be proud of. All the meanwhile, Ben Simmons couldn't care less. I can't I can't respect somebody like that. I can't. I, I, I can't do it. Can't do it. Ben Simmons now. Ben Simmons. Really? Really? You got to be kidding me. Anyway. And I'm also sick and tired of Kyrie Irving, too. With, with with the with the vaccine nonsense, get get on his little Instagram live saying I'm not anti-vaccine or pro-vaccine. I'm simply trying to be a voice for the voices. Can Kyrie Irving just do me a favor, please? Can Kyrie Irving just do me one good favor? Just shut up. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you have to say. I'm not interested. I don't care. This is the same jack. This is the same donkey that thinks that the Earth is flat. That thinks Christmas is just is just another just just another day that it's no that it's no deeper than it being December twenty fifth. A guy that changes religions every three months. Like I I don't care what what Kyrie Irving has to say. I don't. And I hate and I hate saying this because I because I hate playing into and feeding into this narrative. But he is the only outlier on this, and because he's so toxic, and because every single thing he comes that comes out of his mouth is a load of garbage, then I'm gonna say it anyway. And it only applies. Don't get this twisted. It only applies to Kyrie Irving because any time he opens up his mouth, he don't know what the hell's coming out of it on the other side. Kyrie, just shut up and play basketball, please. Just shut up. Just, just, just stop. Stop. 
Stop. Stop. Cause it's 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 to the point with him. Any single time he says something, I don't I don't I don't care to hear it. I don't care to read about it. I don't care. Cause every single time I hear every any every and any single time I hear something come out of his mouth, it makes my brain hurt. I feel like I feel like I my IQ levels drop when I hear him think. Or excuse me, when I hear him say something. He's that toxic. From the outside looking in, he's that toxic of the human being. Great, all-time great basketball player. But he's that toxic where it's like he said something and it's like it's, it, it, I have no choice but it for it to go one ear and out the other or else I'm going to lose my mind. Because he is something I, 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 I could live to 120 and I still couldn't somehow somebody wrap my head around why this guy is the way he is. Kyrie Irving's one of those people. Kyrie Irving's one of those people that thinks he's a super intellectual guy that thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And you hear him speak as soon as he opens up his mouth, and he's and he sound and he's and he has the IQ level of a of a of a of a, of a, of a, of a you know of a of a person that got held back five times. He's the type of guy that thinks he's the smartest person in the room. Some deep intellect, some deep intellectual human being who you you know who he thinks that he's you know. That he's got the that he's got the intelligence of a uh, of of a guy that got his doctorate at uh, at uh, at Howard or at Harvard or somewhere, studied at Oxford overseas something, and as soon as you open up his uh, open up his mouth, your IQ level goes down thirty points. That's what Kyrie Irving is. Just stop. I can see why after all these years that that you know the, the LeBron went no parts of him. And, and and some of his constituents with the Nets are getting sick and tired of him too. Durant, Durant just wants to put his just wants to put his head down and play basketball. And Steve Nash is sick and tired of getting asked every single every single freaking five seconds. What about Kyrie Irving with the vaccine with the vaccine nonsense? Everybody else on the team is you know vaccinated and is willing to do what they possibly can for them to stay on the stay on the court and 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 win games for their team and 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 is all into on trying to win a championship this season. All all, all along with abiding by the the New York City uh, health protocols and Kyrie Irving, you know. Trying to, you know, being Mr. Difficult, Mr. Stubborn that he is, is like, no, nah, I don't want to take the vaccine. I mean, I just shut up. My God. I mean, he, he is, he is so much of a distraction. It is ridiculous. And you can't sit up. And the point with Kyrie, more than anything, is that he does not deserve the benefit of the doubt on this because he has said so many stupid, erroneous things and has done so many toxic unbecoming uh just head scratching things prior to this little vaccine controversy that he do- that he doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt on anything whether it's the flat earth stuff you know him not wanting to show up and play basketball just for the hell of it not contact doing choosing to do that and then not having the curt the common courtesy to let his teammates or his bosses know on, on top of that i mean it's just it's just one thing after another no wonder lebron the one lebron was like all right i i'm thankful for what for what we did together but i i, I can't take more, too much more of him comes across very very unlikable I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm. It's just the way. Hell of a basketball player, but 
I mean, no, nobody when he when he was with the Celtics for that for that for that season or so, no, 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 no Celtic teammates couldn't stand him. No, nobody with not the fans teammates was oh was so toxic to the Celtic. He was more toxic to the Celtic or, or organization than Kareem Skyhook for crying out loud. Or Magic's passing ability, he was that toxic. Ugh, enough with Kyrie Irving. Oh my goodness gracious. The, the, the league, the league and the, and, the, and, the, and the governments have rules. They have rules because they don't want to have the world shut down for another eight months and, and, go through this, and go through the same cycle again where nobody's doing anything. Everybody is cooped up in the house sitting on their hands and we're losing money by the you-know-what. Because there's COVID cases all over the place and people are dropping dead like flies. People don't want to have to put up with that again. I don't, I don't know why that's so difficult to comprehend and so difficult to understand. I really, really don't. The Nets, they got their off under at, at uh, 56 and a half. I'd go under with that, me personally. Uh, you know, no Kyrie Irving and just the distraction. I just, I just don't like it. But you know the the bad the bad karma cost him last season. I mean it's, it's gonna it, it might come back to bite him in the ass again. Bucks at fifty four and a half. I would go, I'd go I'd, I would go slightly over with that myself. You know they got a little bit of that championship taste in them. You know I don't you, you know and I, and I you know I think they can give the Nets a run for their money. Or, or even if the Nets are healthy, I think they can make the Nets work in a playoff series. I mean, they're the second best team in the in the East by a landslide. Um, Lakers at fifty two and a half. I would. I think they would probably finish around that fifty two, fifty three range. They got a very old team. You know, Westbrook, AD's no AD is considered old, but he's a seasoned veteran. LeBron, of course, has been around a long time. The fifty two and a half. Uh, I'd you know a push with that. Utah, they get um. Utah with Devin Mitt with Donovan Mitchell, fifty one and a half. You know, I'd go a little under with that. Phoenix fifty one and a half. That should be a very interesting one to see. Uh, you know, with the West that's going to be loaded. They're not favored to win a championship. Um, you know, it, it's fifty one and a half with the Suns. Um, They couldn't get a deal done with Aiton prior to the season start. I'd go slightly under with that. And I hate seeing it because Monty Williams is a hell of a coach and I wanted them to win the championship in the worst way, but go slightly under with that. Philadelphia 76ers, i go under with that too. Ben Simmons is going to be a complete cancer. It's just going to throw this team uh, for a loop. That that drama with Ben Simmons is not going away anytime soon. Dallas with Luka, they're at 48. I'd go uh, slightly over with that. Clippers there at 45. I'd go slightly over. I understand Kawhi Leonard's health. I'd go a little over with that as well. Um, Ty Lue is a hell of a coach. I think we learned that uh, back in the summertime. A phenomenal job he did getting the Clippers off the deck not once but twice and also made the uh, the Suns work a little bit. Um, See which other ones I like. Next at 41 and a half, I would – they probably won about 40 games. 40 and 42 and 40. 
I'd hold my breath, hold my breath, and go slightly over with that. Not, not too confident on the Knicks, you know, winning any more in my eyes than fifty games. I, you know, I just, I'm saying I got that taste of playoff basketball, but you know, can can you trust Julius Randle? And they and they still need that big time. You know, they, what they, that big-time guard is going to be able to take over games, they don't have that. And, you know, Derrick Rose, you know, God bless him, but he ain't the Derrick Rose he used to be with Chicago. Um, the Chicago Bulls are going to be a very interesting team, 42 and a half. I got to take the over on that. They're going to be very competitive this season. Wouldn't be surprised if they take a play, take one of the bottom-tier playoff spots or play in that playing tournament in the East. Um, uh Rockets are 27, Pistons 24, Oklahoma City 23, Orlando Magic 22. Is there anyone else I like? Um, I'd take Zion if he can stay healthy. If Zion is going to be injured to begin the season, I don't like that one either. Boston, 46.5. Atlanta, 46. Denver, 47 with Jamal Murray back. Golden State with Clay. I go over with Golden State, 47.5. Over with Denver, 47.5. Atlanta. Not sure about Atlanta. Not confident with them. Boston, slightly over. Miami 48 <sighs> slightly under with that not confident so there's a lot of teams that are that you know um, that I look at their over and under numbers and I'm not completely sold on on the you know whether they'll exceed Expectations or complete or completely underachieving. It's just you know, a lot, a lot of funky teams. I think the real, I think the real one. I don't think, I don't think the uh, the Suns will be as great as they were uh, regular season wise this year. I just, I just don't see it. And I, and I, and I think that um, Portland with Chauncey Billups at head coach um, was their number. Portland's number was 44 and a half. Figure Chauncey Bullops would bring new energy. Pretty much the same roster, though, for the most part. You know, Dame can only do with so much. But they seem to, like, overachieve regular season-wise year in and year out anyway. Um, go over. Go over with Portland. Go over. And the last item of business to get to as far as NFL stats, I forgot to read to you during the NFL portion of the program. 
this is with Trayvon Diggs. Seven receptions tied for most player in the first six games in the Super Bowl area. First player with seven receptions, first since the game since Rod Woodson in 93. First player in the Super Bowl era to have seven plus interceptions and multiple pick sixes in his team's first six games. Um, 11 games gone to overtime this season, second most in the first six weeks of all time. Only the 95 had season had more with 12. Uh, Prescott's 445 passing yards are the most ever by against the Belichick coached Patriots team, including the playoffs. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 35th career win, passing Demarion for the most by starting quarterback before returning 25. Three overtime games in week six. Um, nine teams score over 30 points today, if you're into that. Um, passing Demarino, who had 34. Bledsoe had 32. Rocklesburger with 29. Holmes has only thrown multiple interceptions in consecutive games for only the second time of his career. Seven interceptions in the last four games, more than he had in either the 2019. He had through five. 2020 season, he threw six alone. Derrick Henry, first player to rush for 10 touchdowns within his first team's first six games since 2005 when Sean Alexander and El and Daly and Thompson did that. Um, and Derrick Henry recorded his sixth career 70-plus yard rushing touchdown against Buffalo, passing Barry Sanders and O.J. Simpson for third most in NFL history. Also the first player with 70 yard rushing touchdown and also five straight seasons but as far as my uh conference championship and nba finals prediction also uh, the golden i'd also i like the golden state warriors over by the way um you clay thompson's gonna be back fresh better than ever steph curry i i like the uh, warriors but eastern conference it's gonna be Bucks and the Nets. You know, Harden, Harden, Harden. If regardless of Kyrie Irving's whereabouts and his vaccine status, and yes, I understand he will be a major distraction at least to begin the season. But as long as they have two out of their three out of their three guys in Harden, uh, Harden, KD, and Kyrie, they're going to be okay. Um, and I think Harden and KD can get the job done. Uh, you know, with or without Kyrie Irving, so I think it'll be them going up against the defending NBA champion Bucks. Um, Bucks with a little bit of championship experience, a little bit of that swagger will be good for them. Have a little bit of more uh, confidence uh, within themselves this season. So I think it's going to be Bucks and Nets for the champ in the uh, conference championship, and then in the and then I think in the West it's going to be. West is going to be the You know what? Why not? What the hell? To be different. Let's go with the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference Finals. I understand Suns couldn't get couldn't sign Aiden prior to the season starting. Still got a hell of a coach. Good team. Had a hell of a season last year, unfinished business. You know they they're gonna remember that time when Monty Williams included all of them cried like babies. Uh, you know at the Pfizer form in that game six back in July. That's gonna eat them. And they and Golden State because I like Golden State a lot. Um, they got good young talent. Did you know the years that they were you know bad? They had a couple of lottery picks. Um, they hit well with the lottery picks. Um, they played in that playing tournament uh, against the Grizzlies back in late May. Uh, so, you know, they, they, 
playing competitive basketball again, of course, with a couple of down years in between. He's going to get Klay Thompson back, who's going to be fully healthy, raring to go. He's going to be hungry. He's going to be thirsty to get that championship. You know, he give him all the credit in the world. He fought. He fought and and, uh, and, and like like a knight, like a brave soldier. When he uh, tore his Achilles, no, was it the it was the ACL in the series against the Raptors, where he continued to play, and I think it made his free throws after he tore his ACL in the Raptor uh, finals back in 2019. Hadn't played in two years, it's hard to believe. And then of course, he got one of the more dynamic shooters, one of the more dynamic guards in the game, in Steph Curry. Plus now that plus now that uh, that you know Kevin Durant and and they they have like a one-two punch, not necessarily really a super team. You know, let me Chris. Let me see Chris Paul, Devin Booker go up against Clay and Steph. That would that would be a hell of a conference finals. You know, if if, if the Lakers if the Lakers don't make it to the conference finals again for the back to back season, that would be the that'd be the next best thing for from an NBA standpoint to get Warriors and Suns in the finals. Uh, well, well, LA, it's the Lakers and LeBron. You mean it's you mean to tell me Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker going up against uh, Steph and Clay wouldn't be wouldn't be entertaining basketball come late spring early summer? Come on, sons of, sons of the defending Western Conference champions and the Lakers and the and the Warriors are trying to you know the you know trying to strike up you know, the two point trying to uh, begin the second chapter. The second, you know, trying to begin the second part, part two, two point oh of of uh, of their dynasty from the mid uh, from the mid two thousand tens decade. That that would be that would be an entertaining series. And for an NBA Finals prediction, I give you Golden State versus the Nets. Golden State wins the NBA championship in. Uh, in seven games for a prediction. Nets beat excuse me, Warriors beat the Warriors beat the Suns. Um Warriors beat the Suns. Nets take care of the Bucks. You get a Nets uh Warriors final. I don't like I think that the uh that the fact that they're so old is a uh it's not necessarily a great thing for the uh, not necessarily a great thing for the Lakers. Not to mention the fact that you know, I if if Anthony Davis makes it through the season unscathed, where he doesn't have to where he doesn't have to miss any time injured, you know, he's too young to be as fragile and to be as injury prone as he is. It's not like he's playing football. Um, if Anthony Davis makes it, makes it through the season, makes it through the season, you know, unscathed and and they stay healthy for the most part. Then you know, then I'll be willing to eat crow and possibly change my mind. But until then, Warriors I think are are the much more refreshed and much healthier team or team with less health concerns going in than the Lakers are. That's just just in my eyes. And my if the Lakers make it, of course, I wouldn't be surprised. But it's just all those you know those are old season veterans that have been around the block a little bit. And Anthony Davis every single time he turns around, he's always hurt with something. And that's not a championship of that's not that's not a championship quality as your team, you know, having injury problems. Like I mentioned when with the argument with Derrick Henry early in the program, the best ability is availability, 
and uh, and if if you're not available, if you're not playing, your champ your championship chances go down tenfold. Why do you think? Why do you think they got bounced by the? Uh, I think. Why do you think they got bounced by Phoenix in the opening round? For crying out loud! But anyway, that's uh, my 2021-22 NBA season predictions for what it's worth. But that is your show. And a new episode of Young Telecatalia's podcast in the books. If you like what you heard and you're new to the program, please subscribe if you haven't already. Be sure to answer the poll question of the episode and the Q&A question of the episode. That is found exclusively on the channel page. I'm Telecatalia's with Jai Shields on the Spotify app. Um, follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Enjoy the baseball. Enjoy the NBA season tipping off on Tuesday night. Talk to you Friday. See you.